There are levels. I have levels too. Is my mic plugged in? Yes, it is. Plugged in. Yep. Boop. It is indeed. Oh, goodness gracious. All, all right. right. You ready to get into I'm this video mode Probably now? not. <laughs> it's probably right. not, but... It's all right. I'll do, I'm not going to get more ready, so... I'll try to do more of the heavy lifting on this one, maybe. Oh, who the heck knows? <laughs> okay. My thoughts exactly. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 87 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I'm Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about how to position nibs and feeds inside your pens. We're going to be talking about springing a nib and what the heck does that even mean? Can you fix it? Uh, I'm going to do a little deep dive on celluloids and resins and plastics. We're going to see how much I know what I'm talking about. Mm. Maybe not much. Textiles. Yeah, sure. Uh, we troubleshoot a Lamy pen with flow issues. We're going to be talking about fountain pen tattoos. Do we have any? I don't know. You'll have to wait and find out. And then we're going to demo the use of the Private Reserve Professional Hand Ink Remover. <laughs> and we're going to update on our personal shenanigans. So that's what's happening today. And we'll start it out with feedback. Last episode, we were mm -hmm. requested to share some new word cloud yeah. survey results. So I made a little survey that I shared with you all in the description of last week's video. It is now deactivated, so don't go try it. It's over. That ship it. has sailed. Yep. But I got some results. So if you wouldn't mind pulling up um, mm. Slack and uh, we'll check oh, those out. Slack and so Slack. Okay. the first thing I asked... Um, Where is it at? Oh, you Slack to see me. Yeah. The first thing I asked was, what are you doing while you're watching this pencast? Mm. So um, yeah, there it is. Right there. So um Working, working definitely seemed to be the big one. So wow. get back to work, you slackers. <laughs> My goodness. So that is definitely happening. Uh, you are also, many of you are eating. Many of you are watching things. Um, mm. uh, or knitting. knitting. Knitting is surprisingly big. That's a big we, one. We, yeah. knew, we knew that our knitter friends were out there. But mm. compared to a lot of the other things, the word knitting shows up pretty prominently. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was that was good. I, hit, um, I see some chores. Yeah, no, nothing. I like that one. Yeah, that's drinking. Solid. That's um, a good one. Too. Gr grading is there too. So we definitely um, have some teachers grading. there. Yeah, getting that um, designing shows up not super prominently, but you know yeah, it's definitely there. Writing that's a prominent one for sure. For Com sure, journaling absolutely. And a uh, breakfast. We seem to be a, a portion of yeah. uh, a lot of folks' morning routine. Breakfast and lunch. Lunch yeah. pops up on here too. So, hmm. if uh, maybe the pancast makes people hungry, maybe it's those Swiss cake rolls. We do uh, talk about food a lot on here. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about coffee a lot. We talk yep. about food. Yep. So there yeah. you go. Um, the next question I asked was, "What other hobbies do you have in addition to fountain pens?" Mm -hmm. So, um, reading was by oh, far number one. one. Wow. But of course, knitting. Happens to show up prominently also. Games. Drawing is there. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of hiking and photography mm. as well. So that was cool to see. You got a little tiny woodworking down there, Brian. Hey, I'm not the only one. A little bit. It's there. Um, Lego showed up. Um, books is also there. So reading books. Um, uh, and then I see dungeons. So there's probably a dragons somewhere there. Is a dragons there. right there. Yeah, there it is. Yep. Yep. So we definitely have mm. that happening. Tarot, book binding. 
There's oh. definitely some things I can tell like words got split up. Like there's video and then there's games. Yeah, yeah. Like, those are probably video Especially games. if they're the same size, you know, yeah, they got broken up. Yeah. So a lot of fun stuff. Uh, crocheting is also there, you know, not too far from knitting. So Lego. a lot of very uh, tactile hobbies yeah. that people like to combine yeah. with the Pencast. Cycling, biking. Yeah. Cool. Very neat. Okay. And then the next one I asked what your favorite movie was. Oh, and this is big, interesting. So not super surprising. Lord of the Rings is big, heavy duty, prominent. But I don't know just, if I would have picked that as number one. I guess it's just massively popular. Yeah, yeah. You know? who doesn't love Lord of the Rings? But what surprised me is you've got a ton of Star Wars movies and a bunch of Star Trek movies. The word star, which would cover all of that, mm. is not as big as the words princess and bride. Princess Bride. Princess Bride. It's kind of on Lord, of the Rings, Lord of the Rings. Princess Bride and every other massive franchise. Wow. So we're talking Star Wars. It beats Star Wars. It beats like Harry I don't Potter. See, the word Avengers isn't even on here. So Princess mm. Bride. You guys love yourself some Princess Bride. Wow. I mean, it's a great movie, but I mean, wow. Like Lord of the Rings in the pantheon of movie popularity, I wouldn't have expected. Princess Bride to be like knocking on the door of Lord of the Rings. That was... I mean, it's at the top of my... It's, it's definitely in my top five, maybe my top three. I didn't see it until later in life. So I don't think I it, I, I really connected um, with it. I like it, but I don't, I don't... I don't think I saw it until Rachel and I were married. Like, I really? I saw it in a yeah, I, I yeah. like it, but I don't ever feel the need to rewatch it. Like, it's an it's an enjoyable romp. Oh. But um, I never find it, myself being drawn back to it. It's better if you rewatch it. I'll say the first time... Yeah, is is good, but it's it's one of those that does get better the more you watch it. Yeah, well, yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah, I think hmm. that was fantastic. What do you know? And then I asked for a TV series, and that one definitely Star Trek wins. Oh yeah. So wow. uh, Star Trek was uh, beefier than any of the other movies, but yeah. you definitely see a Ted and a Lasso. You definitely yeah. see Firefly. Um, yeah, Office is pretty prominent. Mm. You see Big and Theory there, mm. so we can know what happens there because there's Bang right above it. Basically then, all the nerd stuff. Yeah, yeah. We see some Doctor Who. We see yep. uh, um, uh, X-Files. Mandalorian is smaller than it should be. Come on, people. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, I see Shadows for what we do in the Shadows. Mm-hmm. Someone put Pencast on there, which, oh. I mean, come on now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and I'm sorry. I see Succession, Futurama, Community. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a lot, a lot of good things there, and nice. uh, but yeah, Star Trek, uh, Star Trek wins definitely. Sci-fi wins for sure because we've got Star Trek, you know, oh, yeah. and and There's Firefly, Firefly for being one se- season, making it so prominently. Like hmm. that's it's pretty much the same size as Ted Lasso, and Ted Lasso is very hot right now. Firefly is not relevant at all right now, but that it's still yeah, just I mean, as popular. How with old our, is Firefly? Like oh, more than twenty years old. Yeah, probably twenty years old. Nathan Fillion. Avid fountain pen user. That's right. Yeah. That's right. In case you didn't know that, in case you needed more of a reason to love Firefly. Yeah, he's a great guy. I think he's he's a big fan of the Lamy 2000. I think so. Which is a shock, I know. Yeah. So few people like that pen. And then next question I asked, um, what's your favorite uh, pen was? So I went ahead and I tried to remove as many brand names as I could so we could get more Mm. into the actual model of the pen. Because otherwise Pilot was like massive and then yeah so the word custom obviously is a champ here so we're talking mm. you know this is covering the 912 the 823 the 74 so um, but you know probably behind that i'm looking at the twisby eco being number Eco's two up there safari's pretty big so here's another thing the word custom covers 
you know, a half dozen pens. Mm-hmm. Eco really only covers one. Hmm. So you got to give credit to the Twisby Eco being as popular as it is and still being considered someone's favorite pen. Yeah. Um, pretty impressive. So I thought that that... Uh, what is this, ES? I don't know. I don't know why ES is there. I, I, I looked that up. I couldn't, I couldn't figure that out. Hmm. I, I almost eliminated it, but too many things have the like, words ES would be a separate word is ES? Huh, I don't know. Um, Safari is pretty big. You got Pro and Sport for Sailor mm. and Kaveco. Um and uh, yeah, I was. Uh, someone wrote anything, so it was probably anything plus a brand, perhaps. I don't know, but uh, Vanishing Point, you know, definitely um, Twisby and Pilot are seeming to be the champs here. Be up there, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of Lamy things mm-hmm. woven yep. throughout here Lamy's too. For certainly there, not a huge shocker. Yep. So Pretty there cool. we go. Yeah, that was a fun little exercise. So thank you all for participating in that. It was. Um, um, it was. It was a couple of fun surprises there. Nice. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. Uh, my feedback, I got one from Just Us Space uh, to answer Rachel's question on why we watch this every week because uh, she's always I will have to say confused. that this one had to be included because the amount of replies it had in the thread, like, yeah? oh, my God, this is so true. Thank you for describing it this way. Like, I had to put it in there because a lot <laughs> of people awesome. um, thought that Justice really hit the nail on the head. So Cool. Okay. Take it away. All right. So Justice says, I'm an introvert, and while I have friends I love dearly, This feels like a friend interaction that I can control the timing on. I never have to feel guilty for not being in the mood to talk and enjoying a one-sided, me being a side with minimal input, conversation that I still feel included in. It's enrichment. I completely agree. I I love... I, I, I do enjoy being social, but I don't like when it's forced upon me or when Mm. I don't have a choice in the matter. Right. Like, I like to pick. Mm. Um... And when I'm not, or when it catches me off guard, I'm just really thrown off. That's why you can do videos, because yeah. it's like very one-sided. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. This is great. And honestly, pen shows are great, too, because it's also pretty like one-sided. I don't need to introduce myself to anybody. Yeah, so, exactly. Very it's true. super. So a lot of people <laughs> thought that Justice uh, really you know, hit the bullseye on that one. Yeah. And I definitely, I, I can totally understand. It is interesting, because Rachel's an introvert, but she doesn't, she doesn't engage like that on any like regular content. Mm. But she does like video games mm-hmm. like disney dreamlight valley and animal crossing mm-hmm. and zelda breath of the wild and all that so she does like worlds and environments well, there are, that there she are can varying levels of yeah. introversion like there there are introverts that huh. they do value social contact yeah but you know they're closer to the extrovert line but definitely still an introvert rachel yeah. just might be very much over there like she yeah. doesn't you know enjoyed it all <laughs> i don't know <laughs> doesn't even want to be around yeah. other people yeah. virtually interesting i'm more of an extrovert so you know i'm, uh, I'm pretty close to the line but <clears throat> being around people definitely does not fuel me in any way mm. it definitely is depleting yeah but okay. no but i don't feel like sad about it or like bothered by it it just takes out of me and i, and I, energy, I recharge yeah. by being mm. alone in the darkness with the game controller in my hand <laughs> there you go like that's that's my jam nice Yeah. Uh, Okay. Next one, we got CKC three fifteen. The log burying story. The log burying story had me shaking, crying, laughing. Thank you. I haven't laughed, cried that hard in a long time. Y'all saw me. I was more pink than my usual, you know, (laughs) situation. I could not breathe. Like just picturing Brian in 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 the dead of night. Yep. (laughs) Like. That happens. Like, oh my god. Yep. Burying logs in the into the earth. I have an update on my log grave that I'll save for oh y'all god. later you, today. You, you cracked a lot of people up with that one. Yeah. Like there were a lot of comments that echoed what 
CKC said. I'll like hear ideas of things that people do and I'll derive things from them and apply <laughs> them to misappropriated areas and come up with something new. A lot of people also ask, why didn't you just like chop them up and sell them for firewood? Because they're pine and pine does not make good firewood. Ah. Especially, especially because around here, it doesn't get that cold in the wintertime. And most of the time for firewood, you want hardwood. Mm. You want oak and hickory and stuff like that. Nobody wants... Doesn't pine pop a whole lot? It's got a lot of resin in it. Yeah. So you get a ton of creosote that builds up oh. and it doesn't, and it burns really fast. So you have to, you know, constantly change it out and it creates a lot of ash. It's just not a very efficient wood. Well, there you go. You don't get a lot of BTUs out of it. So pine is like a last resort wood that you would use. So it's just not a desirable wood yeah. to use for much of anything, which is why I'm burying them in a grave. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> born to be bon, uh said, Brian, it was so cool to meet you and some of your team at EOS, hey! the conference that I talked about. I did have one person that recognized me. I did. And this is her. Very cool. I'm also quite proud of myself that I refrained from following you all around, asking nerdy pen questions for two days. Thank you. Uh, trust me, it was a challenge. Glad you guys had a good time. <laughs> to be fair, I would love to talk about pens. But, you know, obviously, going to a conference like that, I'm thinking about all kinds of other yeah. things, too. So appreciate the discretion. But, you know, I always like to meet people in the wild as well. That's like the third time ever I've been recognized in, like, public it very rarely happens, surprisingly, but yeah. except at a pen show, that's obviously different. And then last one, we have Steve Copeland, 9261. Thank you so much for this episode. Where else on YouTube can you find a conversation that ranks cheeses based on their throwability and strategies for taking trees that are above the ground and moving them to under the ground? <laughs> and both topics handle with a completely appropriate level of seriousness. This is why I come back every week. Thank you. Well, Steve... I don't know what to tell you. I know. I feel I'm glad like, you're enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad <laughs> that you liked it, but like you saying it back, it, it gives me, it's really putting the mirror up. And uh, it's like, is this what we've we, come to? We did do that. This is like when Rachel says she doesn't understand. Yeah. I'm like, I, 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 I can appreciate that. Yeah, so can I. The throwability of cheeses wasn't something I even knew was, was happening. I, I guess the log thing, you didn't know that was happening either. So it we, just happened. We surprised ourselves and yeah, each other as well. For better, for worse. Yep. Well, that's all we got for feedback this week. Uh, we got a couple new things. Let's talk about some new stuff. Yeah. All right. First thing I've got is a new Visconti. So this is not a new model. This is the Divina, but we have not had a lot of new Divinas recently. Um, the most recent one I can think of is the Bordeaux one that we have. And that was a couple of years yeah. ago. So it's been a while since we had a new one. A little bit of controversy here in the Goulet office as to how much everybody likes this one or not. I think whether you like it or not, you will feel something when you see this color. Yeah. So this is the it's Elegance. It's definitely different than yeah. the Divinas they've had before. Yeah, it's the Elegance Wave. Um, so they made this one at a slightly lower price than they have the other one. I guess something about the technique they used or something. Um, but it's still got like the silver inlays and all that. It's an... It's a, it's a faceted, tapering, twisting pen with inlays. Like the manufacturing requirements for a pen like this boggle my mind. Yeah. It's way more complicated than you would think to make a pen like this. So for that reason alone, I've always sort of been infatuated with the Divina. But it's also, it's a very comfortable pen. It's very well balanced mm -hmm. um, and it just looks really nice. So if you're into this color, Check it out. You haven't really seen anything like it. It's this nice, like, lighter teal kind of color. Um, or turquoise. I don't know. Maybe this is turquoise. more turquoise. Yeah. Cobriatic. I, I think I would call this one more turquoise, even though I called it teal. Whatever. 
But anyway, you can check that one out. And then we have a Diplomat Arrow in a new color, a lacquered white. Yes. So this is no exposed metal. This is like a, a shiny, sort of like how, you know, some of the studio, like the Lamy yeah, Studios. Yeah, it's like a, almost a, a, more of a lacquer with a, with a hint of pearlescence to it. Yeah, a little bit of shimmer, yeah. a little bit of shimmer to the finish to it, you know. So it's going to have, it's got a little different feel to it. You know, we talk a lot. We are big fans of like the anodized aluminum. Yeah. So this is slightly different than that. Still same body, same material underneath, but it's got a like thick lacquered coating. Yeah, I feel like it's it. so got it feels... more of a softness to it because of the, the lacquer. It doesn't yeah. feel quite as harsh as Yeah, the not quite as cold yeah. as like the bare metal would be. Yeah. But anyway, if you like uh, if you like white pens, this is a really like a nice pearly kind of white. Mm -hmm. It's a really nice looking color. Yeah. We've right. also got some new ink, Brian. Do we? We have ink sets, kind of. So yeah. Robert Oster is not really coming out with a set, but they are coming out with a new collection, and okay. it is a drinks collection. So um, at $18 each, um, they're not being sold as a set, but it is a collection um, comprised of whiskey and brandy, both of which are a lighter, very well-shading set of browns. Mm -hmm. uh, green Lady, which is a shimmery green. Um, Detox, Blue Martini, and Pink Squirrel. So all of these are drinks, yep. and um, they are available now. So check those out. Uh, I got a chance to write with every one of them. They are fun to write with. I can't decide whether or not I like whiskey or brandy, though, so you will have to mm. uh, judge yourself by buying one more than the other so that we can get rid of the one you don't like. Um, but they both shade really well, and it's uh, I like. I will say I like writing brandy more than Just I like the letters, writing. the letters yeah. involved. Yeah. 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 Um, call it Brandy Brown. That sounds Brandy Brown. I like the alliteration. I'm of sure that. there's somebody out there named Brandy There's Brown. Whiskey Brown and Brandy Brown. Um, so yeah, Robert Oster, pretty cool. Right. And actual sets coming from Sailor, they're coming out with two dual shading sets of their most popular chroma shading, dual shading, mm. you know, multi-tonal inks. Um, at sixty dollars a pop, set one is going to include their most popular ink, Haha, mm. as well as oh, these are all Manyo inks, by the way, mm -hmm. Haha. Nakuyonagi, Sakura, and Narishiko. And set two Good is Ayame, Hinoki, Fuji, and Koke. So probably, you know, kind of the, the more older inks, I think, uh, in set one and some of the mm -hmm. more recent inks in set two. Because yeah. I know that um, most of the set twos came out a little bit more recently. Yeah, so, I think so. Um, both sets are awesome. I think they're actually really well balanced, too, in terms of mm -hmm. kind of the strength of the colors. Because... Uh, Fuji and Koke, I think, are really, you know, grand slams. And then Haha mm -hmm. and Nekuyanagi are probably the anchors They're, of the first set. Yeah, the most popular for sure. Yeah, so um, solid sets and, um, yeah, great for gifts too. So if you want to show somebody what crazy Manyo inks can do, mm -hmm. they're available. So Good stuff. Yeah. All right, you can check out all the new products, things that are arriving soon. We have that up on our website. You can check those out anytime. All right. Shall we do some Q&A, Drew? Q and A, both of them. Let's A those Qs. All right. Okay. This is from Lukios. <clears throat> Question. When changing or replacing nibs, mm -hmm. how do you know exactly where on the feed to place the nib? Mm. Also, do you find yourselves experimenting with the placement of the nib, such as further out, might make for a drier writing experience, for example, or something like that? Mm -hmm. Love the Bencast, guys. You make my week. Greetings. From sunny Cypress. Cypress. Wow. That's cool. That's a ways away. Definitely sunnier than it's been here recently. Yeah, it's kind of dreary. Rainsville, USA. Mm -hmm. um, so for most pens, there's pretty much an ideal placement to have when yeah. it comes to your nib and your feed. Sometimes there is a detachable housing 
uh, like with especially Yovo or Bach nibs, pretty much there's like a plastic housing insert that screws into the pen. And those are made to have a very firmly fixed nib and feed. There might even be like cutouts for the nib and feed to only fit in in one orientation. And pretty much other than not putting it in all the way, there's not really a lot of adjustment to do, so to speak. Um, pretty much the way that this thing, this the relationship works between the nib and the feed, the feed basically is just making ink available to the nib. The nib is really what is kind of influencing you know, what happens on the page a little bit more. Um, so yes, you can widen, you know, if you're like actually altering the feed, you can widen the ink channel. You can do some stuff like that slightly, but all that really does is make, you know, slightly more ink available. It's not necessarily like pushing it out because it's all working on capillary action. Um, there's very minimal like modification you can do to that to, to make a regular nib do more, you know? So if you have a nib, like a flex nib, it might demand more ink. So there might be like some relationship there that it has with the feed, but, um, it's not like if you, if you, you know, push the nib out more and the feeds set in more, it's going to write dry or anything like that. It's pretty much like if it's making contact and the capillary reactions working, the ink is going to flow. So you can do some like very minor kind of adjustment, like, like you're talking about here at the end, like make it right drier, but I haven't found, I've found pretty much like there's an optimal way to put the nib and feed in and any other orientation or any other like in or out or thing you try to do is pretty much just making it not optimal. Yeah. Like it's just, that's been my experience. It might, well. might write drier in terms of like, it'll dry out and then stop writing. Yeah. Not really like, oh, it'll be like 70% is wet if you don't put the nib in all the way. Not really. It's just, if the nib isn't making consistent contact with the ink channel on that feed, then it's just going to starve of ink and then not really write well, or it might write okay at the beginning when you first ink it up because the whole feed is totally saturated with ink. But if it's not making like full and proper contact, then it's going to dry up and it's not going to write great. Yeah. So really that orientation of the nib in the feed, that's not the, that's not the way to make an adjustment in terms of ink flow. So pretty much you want to get it set in there optimally and and then any adjustment you would want to do beyond that, you need to get into some nib alteration type things, either widening the tines, you know, you can do things with the grind of the tip and stuff like that, that gets a little bit beyond just like hobbyist type stuff maybe. Um, I will say some, some housings and grips have cut out, so you have to put the nib and feed in a certain way. Think like Lamy is super specific Very. about how the feed has to fit in there. And the nib, I mean, it's attached to the feed. So like, yeah, I can't really adjust that much at all. Um, and then same thing with like Yovo and Bach, you know, anything that comes with like a removable housing, it's kind of the same way. They pretty much fit in there. Twisby, I guess some pen, you know, like the 580 and anything where the replaceable nib unit on a Twisby is going to have a housing screw and housing that has to fit in a pretty particular orientation. Um, there's other pens that you can put the nib unit in any orientation like rotation wise mm -hmm. um thinking like a twisby eco like it doesn't have to go in a particular place but it needs to go in pretty much like all the way you got to be able to shove the thing all the way down there and then when you you made the nib up it, the nib is made to kind of rest on top of the feed you put those two together and if you put them all the way in they're going to be the the right depth because they stop when they get to the back of the grip so pens like that yeah you can change you know if it matters to you like where the, the, the grip like where you grip it or whatever 
like you can you can adjust the nib and feed in there and a lot of pilot nibs are that way too it's just like yeah. a round circle i think that the, the uh the, the steel ones you know kind of lower and can spin around freely yeah but those are those nibs are keyed to the feeds for sure right exactly so you get those that it's like well the orientation in terms of like rotationally it doesn't matter where you, you put can it spin in. the nib and the feed as yeah. one unit but the nib itself ain't moving it's, it's pretty much locked in to yeah. wherever it is on the feed um and then there's other ones where it doesn't matter, you know, it's just kind of free floating in there. I know these days the Noodler's pens are a little more locked in. Yeah. The original ones were pretty loosey-goosey in there and you could shove them way down or have up and there was some But like you said, like adjustability. I, I found that doing that just made them not work at all. There yeah. Was, it, every one of them was different. It's like, all right, this one likes to be a little bit more out. This one likes to be a little bit more in and then anything yeah. else would just make them not work at all. Yeah. And with the Noodler's pens, the original, like the, I'm talking, we're going back probably five years now since at I least. Think they made those changes. Um, but those have ebonite feeds as well, which yeah. is kind of a whole other thing on a really widening channel, flexible nibs. So there's a lot more variables going on with those. Nathan originally designed those to be very tinkerable and stuff like that. But I think ultimately he settled on more people want something that just kind of works more straight out of the box than that tinkerability. So he kind of rolled that back a little bit. So pretty much when it comes to nib and feed setting inside the pen, yeah, there's pretty much an optimal way to do it on every pen. It may vary slightly depending on like how keyed in either the nib is to the feed or the nib and feed together is into the housing. That varies a little bit depending on brand and model, but you know, basically you put it all the way in and it kind of locks it in and that's what you want. Yep. And then any adjustments you need further may come down to like nib tying adjustment and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what I got on that I one. I agree. I totally agree. All right. Drew, I got a question for you from Fossil Imprint 2954. Okay. I keep hearing about if you use too much pressure with a fountain pen, you may spring the nib. What does this mean? And why can't you just push the nib back in place? You can push the nib back into place. That's... That that is absolutely a thing you can do. It's very simple in its concept because it's a piece of metal that bent one way, you bend it back the other way. Mm-hmm. In execution, doing that can be very, very difficult. Now, mm-hmm. if you are writing with a pen for years, let's say you've had, you know, an E95S or something in for, you know, eight years, and over time you've bounced it around so much that it just is spread a little bit more than it used to. Mm-hmm. That is probably easily fixable. You can probably just bend that back into place without a whole lot of effort. But if you are someone who buys a Pilot Falcon because you saw a video of somebody doing some crazy Spencerian calligraphy and you get it and you're like, yeah, squish, and your stuff looks like that, that is a problem that you can't just quickly bend into place. If you have a severe bend, that is very, very different because um, I, I liked this question a lot because it made me mm. think of a really good analogy in okay. terms of rebending something. Mm. If anybody, and I think everybody has, had uh, tried to straighten a paper clip, you know that where it's bent and where you straighten it, there's still a little bit of a bend there after you straighten it. Because when you straighten a paper clip, you don't bend it exactly where it was originally bent. You mm. you never do. It's mm-hmm. so hard. You, 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 you think you're straightening it, but there's still that little bump. Mm. And to get that bump out, you have to bend and re-bend and you try to, you have to get it so perfectly. And it's so difficult. That's why nib professionals and specialists get, you know, attention and business because they can mm-hmm. do that. It's very difficult. I mean, they can do other things too, but 
if you do need a repair from a severely bent nib, if your nib looks like this and you try to rebend it, you could end up rebending it like that. Yeah. So it would be kind of flat, but you'd have this like hump in the middle or it might just be, and you might not notice it, it might write just fine, but you're not going to easily, at least at first, be able to bend it back right where it needs to be bent in order for it to return to its mm. original shape. That's very difficult. I've tried it many it times. Tricky. Sometimes I'm able to do it. Most of the time I'm not. Sometimes the pros aren't able to get it. Yeah. You know, they'll like, it'll write perfectly, but you're going to see that little bit of, yeah. of a defect. So that that's a severe bend. If it's not mm -hmm. a severe bend, if it's just kind of happened over the years, yes, you can bend it back with minimal effort. But regardless if it's a severe bend or just an overtime widening of the tines, you are still going to have to align it after that. Once mm -hmm. those tines move apart and are forced to return to their position, 99% of the time, the tipping material on the left and right tines is not going to be exactly perfect. So you're also going to need to make sure those are aligned well also. And depending on the severity of the bend, you might also need to worry about angle of the tipping material, not just whether or not they're spaced, because if you bring them back together perfectly, yeah, sure, that's great. But you might you know, have bent them and then returned them to position, but now they look like that or worse, like that. Mm. Um, so you're dealing with a host of other issues. So yes, you can bend them right back together, but it's easier said than done for sure. So it gets, um, it gets complicated. There's a surprisingly very little amount of tolerance involved when setting a nib and getting the tipping to be aligned yeah. just so. That's why nib professionals are a thing. Um, right. And I will say too, part of what complicates it too, especially with an extreme bend, is because when you're bending a nib, the nib right is on top of the feed. And when you're riding with a lot of pressure, the nib is bending up and there's nothing there's nothing on top of it to hold it. Mm -hmm. But when you bend it back, you got the feed underneath. Yeah. So um, if yeah, you're if just you, gonna if you're just gonna bend it down, you may actually hit the feed and then over bend it and like condor like beak that nib a little yeah. bit because the feed, you know, you it's hard to over bend it because the feed's in the way. So sometimes you may actually need to take the nib out of the pen completely if you're comfortable doing that, bend it, adjust it, and then put it back in the pen and then fiddle with it some and more. It's even, a whole thing. even then, if you try to return a bent nib to its original position, you might overdo it a little bit and end up cutting off flow from the feed. It could now mm -hmm. then seat too tightly against the feed and then you're stifling your flow. So mm. um, it, it, it can get complicated. It, yeah. it is a simple, it's just metal that's bent one way and you can bend it another way, but... Mm -hmm the fact that these things are controlled leaks uh, make them very prone to, I guess they're just very sensitive to um, yeah. anything less than perfection, really. Yeah. But certainly give it a shot, but give it a shot with a, you know, more or less um, expendable pen or nib. And if yeah. you don't have one of those at your disposal, send it to a nib professional. Steel nibs are easier to mess with than gold nibs because gold is a little more malleable. That, that's an that's an opinion. Like, you think so? I, really? See, our friend CY DM me after that. He's like, "Wait, you think steel's easier? Gold way easier." I was like, "What? No." I don't know. So I I think steel is for easier. For a newbie, for a newbie, I think. Well, it's obviously easier to bend a gold nib. Yeah, and, but I think gold nibs are more bouncy. They do return to their position quicker. Yeah, but, but you, have to, you have to over bend them. Yes, more. Yes, like I think it's it's you know. Oh, I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, don't I agree. Know. I don't know. We feel like steel is definitely easier. I, I'm sure it's very subjective, <laughs> right? But um, the, the other thing I will say too is like, if you're going to mess with your pens, obviously use your own discretion. You know, if you've already bent your nib and whatever, it's probably out of warranty or, you know, whatever. So yeah. use your own judgment. If you have a Namiki Emperor or something, you might want to have it done by a professional, right? 
Um, but if it's a pen that you feel comfortable messing with, as long as you're not like over bending it and doing something so bad, you like snap the tines off or do something crazy. If you screw it up, chances are a nib professional is going to be able to fix your screw up just like they would be able to fix a spring, you know, nib anyway. So me personally, I'm like, try to educate yourself, mess around with it a little bit. Don't do anything crazy, but it doesn't hurt to try and learn. No, I will say, you know, just thinking, with, thinking of the nib specialists out there, they would probably prefer you go to them first. Probably. Rather probably. than giving them one that you yeah. tried to screw around with. I think about like an, an auto, <laughs> an auto mechanic that I used to, to know had a sign in his his garage bay that had, you know, one like hourly rate, whatever. It was like a made up sign. It was, it was meant to be a comical sign. But it was like hourly rate, hourly rate if you've tried to fix it, which was higher. Yes. And then hourly rate if you try to help was even higher. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was kind of a funny thing. It's like, yeah, let, let the pros do what they do. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if you just spring your times a little bit, you know, you can usually salvage yeah. it. but. Yep. Anyway, cool. There you go. All right. Um, All right. Stephanie Lane 5072 says, Brian and Drew, of course, I absolutely love your show. Of course. Please explain the difference between <gasps> celluloid and resin. Why is celluloid no longer being made? And why is it so expensive? Mm. If it's so cherished, why would they stop making it? These are all good questions. I went on a deep dive. I see that. How long? I dove oh, okay. deeply. All right. You've got some links in here. You've got some Britannica.com links in here, I just here, wanted Brian. to be able to easily reference my own links. That's no, one, all. no one's asking I'm for not your gonna, sources. I'm not going to say the links, you know, but, you know. <laughs> hold whatever. on, hold on. Yeah. Sorry. Can't, can't, can't hyperlink it in real life. Um, and it's funny because, like, honestly, it was just kind of like the first part of the question I did. I didn't really make notes on the rest of it, but I'll cover it. Okay. So deep dive time. You ready? Hang on tight. Grab your coffee, grab your drink, your oh. drinking. If we go by the word cloud, then apparently everybody's knitting and drinking while at work. Yeah, get so, my fiddle coin out. Um, <laughs> all right. So there's two things to keep in mind with this. One is that there's, you know, a scientific language explanation on this, which I'll definitely cover more of. And then there's a more natural language, common language, or like a marketing language that is a little bit different too. So anyway, with that in mind, I'm not a scientist but I can play one on YouTube, so let's do that. Uh, I'm gonna try and explain some of the science-y things as I understand it, though, much like a chatbot, I'm a very non-trustable source because I'm just pulling information from other places. But you can't say he's not honest. I am trying, um, but I do have some, some perspective to bring, so I've, I'm trying to filter it through what I know. Anyway, long story short, celluloid is a type of resin, but not all resins are celluloid. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's sort of like, a dog is an animal, but not all animals are dogs. It so you can be. call a dog a dog or an animal. So if you have a celluloid pen, you can say that is celluloid and that is resin. You can also say that is plastic mm -hmm. because plastic is in different type of category. We're going to get into all that. But anyway, so um, basically celluloid, celluloid and resin are, are can mean the same thing, um, but resin is just kind of a bigger category. Okay. So let me, let me start first by explaining what are celluloids. So celluloids are a class of materials produced by mixing nitrocellulose and camphor, often with added dyes and other agents. And I actually have the typical formulation of celluloid, if you really want me to break it down. I absolutely do. Okay. I'm sure that's so why we're all here. A typical formulation of celluloid might contain 70 to 80 parts nitrocellulose 
nitrated to 11% nitrogen. 11%? 11%. Oh, dang. Nothing more, nothing less. Uh, 30 parts camphor, zero to 14 parts dye, depending on what you have in there, and one to five parts ethyl alcohol, plus stabilizers and other agents to increase stability and reduce flammability. Okay. So I did look at Britannica because they had pretty decent definition of both resins and plastics because I expanded the scope of this just a little bit because often the term resin and plastic get used interchangeably. And I thought that would be a helpful thing to use in this instance That is very true. Okay. So Britannica says resin, any natural or synthetic organic compound consisting of a non-crystalline or viscous liquid substance. So natural resins are typically fusible and flammable organic substances that are transparent or translucent and are yellowish to brown in color. They are formed in plant secretions and are soluble in various organic liquids, but not in water. Synthetic resins comprise a large class of synthetic products that have some of the physical properties of natural resins, but are different chemically. Examples of natural resins are things like shellac, amber, balsam, and pine rosin. Ah. Examples of synthetic resins are things like urethane, polyurethane, epoxy, stuff like that. Um, They're not, the, the synthetic ones are not clearly differentiated from plastics. Okay, so in researching both resins and plastics, there are some materials that clearly fall under just one or the other, but there are a lot that overlap, okay? So plastic is a polymeric material that has a capability of being molded or shaped, usually by the application of heat and pressure. Plastics can be derived from natural resins like nitrocellulose, synthetic resins like acrylic or epoxy, or non-resin plastics like PMMA, polymethyl methacrylate. Most cheaper disposable pens are made of polystyrene or PPC, which is polypropylene copolymer. Okay, so plastics are basically a even bigger category that can include things that are not resin, but also can include a lot of resins. So any fountain pen company that says, no, our pens aren't plastic, they're resin, is kind of not it's right. It's technically scientifically plastic if it's hard if it's a resin it's plastic. moldable formable it's plastic so if it's a resin it is plastic my understanding is that yes that is the All case right. it is both it's a resin derived plastic even if it's precious as precious as it may be yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah and this is where it does get a little bit confusing and this is where you get into some of the natural language, common language, as opposed to the marketing language, the marketing yes. stuff, because honestly it gets so granular and it's with ways that you can't even see or tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Like most people can tell drastically different types of plastic, but there's a lot of types of plastic out there. Most of the time it comes down to certain properties they have that aren't visible, like their water resistance or flammability or moldability and all these other different, like whether it, you know, a good example I have a good good recent life example. So my daughter is into painting her nails sometimes. Ah. Often at midnight. She's a night owl like me. So she will just go and paint her nails and stuff like that. Well, she um, had some nail polish remover, which is um, acetone, basically, mm-hmm. um, which nail polish is basically acrylic. acrylic acetate, which is the same resins used in a lot of fountain pens, believe it or not. Um, so uh, it's basically acrylic acetate that's, dissolved in acetone because that's the solvent for it 
So she took one of the like plastic little, you know, drinking cups that Rachel had, you know, like you have little two ounce cups, you know, next to your sink in the bathroom that you might drink water out of. Oh yeah. Like that they have in like the bathroom section of department stores. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes they're paper. You can get some plastic ones. That is a different type of plastic than what is used for the bottle that the nail polish remover comes in. Oh yes. The nail polish remover stuff. I want to say it's the same stuff that like milk jugs are made out of. I think that's PET if I'm not mistaken. That sounds about right. Um, but it's also little, a brand of milk. The little plastic cups. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that's, <laughs> not, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. No, I think Whatever you're still, I think you're right is. Is on both. Yeah. Maybe that's where they came up with the name for that. Anyway. Nah, probably not. Um, but anyway, these little plastic cups, they were a different type of plastic. Oh yeah. That is dissolvable oh, by acetone. Oh man. So she went to pour some acetone into one of those little cups. And after 10 seconds or so, the basically the bottom of the cup melted and oh. the acetone went all over the counter and oh, got all man. over all kinds of things. So. <sighs> yep. She she was very surprised by that. And I was like, well, this is a good little life lesson. Yeah, here, it could have been Ellie. worse. Yeah, yeah, this is a different type could of have, That could have happened over top of Joseph's Legos. Oh my gosh. Acetone is <laughs> acetone is strong stuff. That's why that's why nail polish smells yeah. so much. Like it's, it's for all the Legos in the house, it's kind of a miracle oh, yeah. that that didn't go. Oh, acetone south. will melt some Lego. Oh yeah. Yeah, it will. So she got lucky, or Joseph got lucky. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody got lucky. Yeah. Our bathroom counter was not lucky, but thankfully our bathroom counter is not damaged by acetone. Anyway, so plastics. So plastics, yeah, technically I think resins are, you know, they can be derived and made into a plastic, which nitrocelluloid or, or cellulose nitrate, nitrite, nitrate, cellulose nitrate. Yeah, that's the like celluloid stuff that you talk about with like pens. That was essentially an, a very early version of plastic before there were um, like fully synthetic plastics that were, um, that were created. So um, you go back to like the mid 1800s and you have um, essentially they were trying to replace ivory because they had things like billiard balls and brooches and hairpins and things like that that were very expensive to be made of ivory. And those cool green transparent hats that all the poker dealers wore. Exactly. That was nitro. Nitrocellulose stuff. Very flammable, though. Yeah. Same thing with like early film. Mm-hmm. Like if you've seen the movie Inglorious Bastards, yep. they like light the movie oh, yeah. on fire. Sorry to spoil up. it for you, but um, that's because all that film was very flammable, because uh, partly because of the camphor. Uh, but anyway, so um, plastics can be derived, you know, from natural or synthetic stuff, like I just mentioned. So I think what we usually see is fountain pens that are referred to as resins. Technically, technically they're all plastics yeah. because of the form that they're in. But I think they often get marketed as resin, especially if they are, if it, if you're calling something resin and it is derived from a natural or a synthetic resin, but it's in a plastic form, I think that's fine because you're just, you're, you're essentially stating that that is a different type of plastic than mm-hmm your fully synthetic, more mass produced pen, like the polystyrene. Right? Yeah. So I think that's perfectly fine. I think that's probably why that's happened that way. So, I mean, you have even like PMMA is a little more premium kind of version of plastic. Um, but, you know, acrylic acetate, um, these nitrocelluloid, these are all, um, you know, m- more expensive, more difficult uh, to produce versions of plastics. Um, so um, celluloid, itself is a very specific resin that can be made into a plastic 
in pen form um, that's derived from this nitrocellulose material. So that is the very technical kind of deep dive scientific answer to that. So the deeper question you asked here is why is celluloid derived from this cellulose nitrate? Why is that no longer being made and so expensive? It's a couple of different reasons. For one, it is just an expensive process to manufacture because it is derived from natural materials. So you can't just synthesize it in a lab. You, you have to go through a process of, of treating it to make it into a usable plastic. Plant-based? It's plant-based, yeah. yeah. So you have to actually go and harvest the cellulose from these plants. And in doing so, it uses a lot of acids. It uses some pretty nasty chemicals and stuff like that. It's also a highly flammable process. So um, not only flammable in the process of actually making the stuff, but then as it's curing and even in its final form, um, just the rods of the stuff can be very flammable because it's got that camphor that's off-gassing. You've got a, you know, essentially a plant-based material that stays more or less flammable um, over a long period of time. Um, it's just more hazardous to manufacture and store and manufacture. To, like the process of actually drilling it out and stuff like that, the heat and the friction from the tools can actually create fires and not just, you know, maybe not on the solid block of the pen itself, but essentially the... Um, you know, it's sort of like if you have a block of wood or a piece of furniture, like, or, or you throw a log into a fire, it takes a little while for it to actually get burning. And when mm -hmm. it does, it burns a lot. But if you take like the sawdust or some like kindling or like the bark or like small shavings, it goes right up. That stuff lights up really easily. Yeah. So in the manufacturing process, when you're dealing with the celluloid, oh. the shavings and the dust and the things like that, that come from the manufacturing oh, process, yeah. that stuff is very flammable. So the, everything you have to do when manufacturing it, you have to take all these extra considerations for safety reasons. So, you know, essentially you had this as an early derivative as they were coming into modern plastics. Yeah. So it's a very kind of a throwback way to manufacture um, that has essentially been replaced by more synth synthetic versions of plastic. Because safer, more economical. Safer, cheaper you know, more reliable. They have other things like celluloid pens. They continue to off gas. They can, um, they can, uh, um, like they're, they, they degrade with UV worse than regular resin does. So if you leave pens out in the sunlight over time, it'll break down, it'll yellow, they can warp. You know, it's just, it was an early version of plastic basically. And it's very nostalgic. Yeah. And, it, and it's probably worth more because there are, you know, materials that were made that are kind of iconic to vintage pens that are romantic, you know, that were uniquely produced in this kind of celluloid fashion. Not that they can't be at least closely replicated with modern plastics. Um, but a lot of these things, you just don't see them anymore. So they're more special supply and demand, right? Um, but it's not that they are necessarily a superior material. Um, but there are some compromises like uh, Noodler's pens, actually. They are a cellulose butyrate so it's a different type, you know, CAB, I think is the, what it's called. Um, that's the same thing made out of like old, like screwdriver handles and stuff like that, that have that lovely, familiar noodler smell. Um, those are better for things like impact resistance. And those don't, uh, those do still yellow over time and stuff like that. So it's like, there's very specific instances that you get into with all these different types of plastic. There's pros, cons used for all different types of things. That's why there's so many plastics, but specific depends. I think the modern things like PMMA and acrylic acetate, um, essentially just longer term are a superior overall um, form of plastic than um, these nitrocelluloids. 
I wonder if someone could make small batch celluloid. So I don't know because I don't know the specific details of how it's made because it's sort of trade secret a little bit. But yeah. my guess is I know I know in Europe in certain places like Italy and Germany where some of the celluloid was coming from, there were environmental regulations uh. that made it essentially cost prohibitive to continue manufacturing. It's not that they couldn't be made, but the demand for that specific material and how they were being used, because essentially they were being used for very specific things, um, like ping pong balls was actually, I think maybe ping pong balls coming out of China, you might still be able to get other than that cellulose nitrate material. Wow. Most of them have been have been replaced though too. Um, but if you, um, you know, because there's so many like acids and things like that that are involved in, in manufacturing that and the risk of fire and all these types of things, it's just, it's cost prohibitive to manufacture it. So and then in like, a small batch, I would think it would be even less, it would it'd be even less practical to yeah. produce. And just storing it as well. Like we visited Monte Grappa's facility and they have mm -hmm. to have an outbuilding, yeah. not connected to their- They have like a cement know, block building. Right. Surrounded by gravel so yeah. that any sort of combustion event won't travel. Everything is temperature controlled humidity controlled mm -hmm. and that's just for what they have left over that's not yeah. even new stuff they this had is... a, they had a fire years yeah. ago they their celluloid for whatever reason caught uh that started with the celluloid or yeah. just, just lit up in a regular fire that happened i don't know the details of it but i know they had a big fire that yeah it just seems like it's just down. overall just not worth it like the the risk does not that's the why, risk far that's why it's so expensive that's yeah. why it's so expensive it's not necessarily that it's like that much more of a benefit it's, it's just, just a pain so, in the butt so much of a hassle yeah. to make it so it's like it's the kind of thing like if you find it if it's around it seems that much more special but to you as the end user is it that much more special Probably not for most people, unless you particularly appreciate appreciate these like finer things about or appreciate the danger that it took to manufacture yeah. it. Yeah. Now, I'll say if you have like a celluloid pen here and there, you don't have to worry about it like bursting into flames, you know, in your in your house or your office or anything. There's just a couple of special considerations you have to make. It's more like if you're storing a lot of the stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, if your pen case lights on fire, that pen will definitely blaze. That pen won't help. <laughs> put it that way. It <laughs> won't put won't it help. out. Won't put it out. But uh, no, it's not going to spontaneously combust either. It's kind of like me when I bought the uh, RC car, you know, a couple of weeks ago. When I when I bought that, the the battery that it uses is a lithium polymer battery. So it's, it's beyond lithium ion. It's like a more densely, you know, packed version of it. And like when I bought it, the guy was like very adamantly driving home the point to me that like these batteries are no joke. Like if they start to swell or they look bad, I like do, store these things in a very safe place. If they get too hot, like not only, I don't know if you know this about like electric cars, like the batteries used in electric cars. I think it's, they like, if they had like a Tesla, for example, not just pick on them, it could be any electric car, but the batteries used in those are so much harder to put out because they, they basically, you can put them out and they can reignite because of the, like the chemicals and stuff they're using there. Like Oof. so much energy stored in them. I think they, I think I heard somewhere it takes like, 25,000 gallons of water to put out a car fire that is like an electric car. It's kind of a problem that hasn't really been solved. So anyway, just to drop that in there as a fun little fact, oh, battery batteries is our whole other thing, but you just got to launch that thing into space. Yep. Send it to Mars. Oof. There you go. Anyway. Right. So I don't know if that, hopefully that helps some, but basically celluloid should, should be a specific term of that nitrocelluloid based you know, thing. I keep saying nitrocellulite. That's not technically a word. Cellulose nitrate, you know, but otherwise resin and or plastic is the appropriate term.
How about that? I learned there something. Go. There's your deep dive. Thanks, Brian. You stayed mildly engaged yeah, and mildly awake. No, I was legit interested good, in that. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. I only that. fought off one yawn. And good. I think that hand that happened just it would have happened, happened anyway. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I did a closed mouth yawn, so it was just like <laughs> So if anybody wants to you rewind always, it. You always kinda wonder, like, did I get away with that? I don't think I did. <laughs> Somebody noticed. Um anyway. All right. I got the next one here, All right. All right. This is from Ninanats. Not sure if I pronounced that right. Um, my Lamy AL, I'm guessing all-star, is drying out. Cleaned it. Changed nib from F to B. Start strong, but no luck. Follow up. Got a second little comment here. Might something be wrong with the feed? Using a converter and have switched inks. So, Drew, sounds like you need to troubleshoot this thing. Well, there are some things that I would like to ask, but I can't. Mm. Um, so, I would like to ask, which inks are you using? But it still is a good thing you switched inks. That's definitely smart. Mm. Um, I would like to know how long before it dries out because if you're talking weeks, then yeah, the Lamy that could be normal. The Lamy snap caps aren't the best in terms of long term storage. So if it's yeah. like if you're talking weeks, then yeah. But it's July. But if you're talking about oh, I haven't. It's totally dry after one weekend. That shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely have some questions if we were talking. But I'm just gonna. Pretend that uh, mm. you're talking about it drying out like way faster than it should, like a matter of a couple days. Mm. Um, so no matter what, if this was happening with a Lamy or a Sailor or a Pilot, anything, you need to give this thing a deep clean. That is mm-hmm. like restarting your device. It helps with a mm. lot of different problems. So when I mean a deep clean, I mean that feed needs to come out. And we've talked about this on the pencast before. Mm-hmm. The Lamy feed is a little tricky because once it comes out and gets scrubbed, mm-hmm. it needs to go back in. And it doesn't go back in just any old way. Like mm-hmm. Brian was talking earlier about, you know, resituating feeds. The Lamy yeah. feed we got a video on that. is very specific. Yeah, I'll go ahead yeah. and link the video. I will say it definitely helps to take the feed out. You don't have to, but it's a lot faster to deep clean if you can get the feed out of your pen. Yeah. If you if you have ink that is really settled into the feed and you mm-hmm. know if it's if you're talking pigment or shimmer something that's really blocking it up pulling that feed out and getting a toothbrush to it can really help and if you're having clog problems that it, that aren't being solved by you know repeated mm-hmm. traditional cleaning or swapping of nibs or swapping of inks then yeah you need to pull that feed yeah. um so get that feed out you can use a grip of some kind I'll go ahead and take the nib off first, grab the feed and pull that out, give it a good cleaning. Um, you can the even- feed is usually tough to get out the first time though. It is. There's not a lot to grab onto. Yeah, there. you really do need something to assist you with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little piece, a little plate, a, a strip of plastic on top of the feed. You can pull that out and scrub in there too and set it back in. Yeah, that's helpful. But the putting, the, the, the reinstallation of the feed is the tricky part. Mm-hmm. It has a uh, channel that it needs to go into. So- I always like to place it gently into the opening of the grip section and then just kind of rotate it until it kind of just falls into it and then you can push it the rest of the way. Um, you should never have to force that feed right. in. If you force it, it gets stuck. Yeah, just put easily. it in there a little bit, rotate it, rotate it, and you'll feel it when it mm-hmm. gets into the into that channel and then you can push it the rest of the way until it clicks right there at the end. Um, and then you can also look at the inside of the grip section. You can see the channel and then on the underside of the nib, you can see a, you know, a strip of plastic that extends a little bit past. That's the, you know, that's the meetup point. Yeah, Lamy's the only brand I know that has like a two-part feed. Yeah. It's, that is. If you're a tinkerer, it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. If you've never taken a Lamy feed out, I mean, obviously 
do all the stuff that Drew just talked about and be conscious and all that. But it is pretty fun it to play with fun. one of those things. And it got me thinking about every feed is different and every feed, mm-hmm. you know, you need to have different considerations when pulling it out. And we've never mm-hmm. done a video on that, um, about pulling mm-hmm. different feeds. Uh, it's pretty specific, but I don't know. Yeah, that wouldn't be like no, promoted very heavily. No, by it would not. It would not do well on YouTube at all. But you know, it would be eh, one of those. It would be when's that ever those, stopped us? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so Is that something y'all be interested in? I don't know because there are, there are there are a few pens that use like a more generic, like a Yovo or a Bach or something where it's yeah. like really similar. But there's some that are just very different, kind of weird. Yeah, like Twisby takes special consideration. I yeah. like to do. I like to. I think Platinum takes a special consideration too because the post mm. on that thing is like that long, mm. and if it comes out at an angle. That thing will snap right off. I've snapped off a post, a post or two in my day. Me too. Yeah. yeah it not, doesn't, don't feel great about that. It happens. The pen still works, though, if you snap that post off, I find. Though maybe it works slightly less better in certain yeah. circumstances. The one I snapped I off, know. I just put back in your collection, and I don't think you've noticed yet. That's cool. So I'll just think that I broke it, by the way. <laughs> so you got away with that crime. <laughs> no, I don't remember when that happened. but it was... I know I've done that with like a Monograppa pen here and there, which I think just uses a standard Yovo feed, but... I snapped the post off of yeah. that a time or two as well. Yeah, as long as the converter cartridge has something to grab onto, yeah. it should be fine. This but... is why this is why when you pull a nib and feed, you want to like grab this the thing with your hands and then like just push your fingers apart. You don't ever want to like grab it and then like use your arms. Yeah, to pull you can it apart. use your fingers to kind of like pinch it away. Yeah. If you use your, your whole arms, you're much more likely to do this. Yes. And like snap, And that that's how I broke the, the platinum. That's hundred percent. Yep. I've, I've done that several times. Definitely. Even knowing this, I've still done that. Yeah. So overall, um, if the nib isn't your problem, if the inks aren't your problem, cleaning that feed is probably what you're going to want to do. Yeah. So get that thing out, get a toothbrush to it, and put it in the right way or else if you put it in the wrong way, it'll stay in there forever i'll add in here too if you are just not the tinkering type you have no interest in disassembling your pen not all is lost you know pen flush is helpful in this type of situation um you can just use water and dish soap and then just let the thing soak overnight or maybe for a couple of days um that eventually will work loose any you know dried up ink or anything that's up in there it takes a lot longer to do that you may have to do a couple treatments of that, but that is also another route to go if you're not super into the full disassembly thing. So. Yep. There you go. There you go. All right. We're going to finish it off with our friend Eva Buck X. Okay. This is not a deep dive. What do you think about fountain pens in tattoos? And would you ever consider one? Do you think it's time for us to show everybody our matching tattoos, Brian? Oh, I don't know. Should we? Pen one and th- pen two? <laughs> No. Um, <laughs> I do like that idea. No. It's so fitting. There's so many puns you could do because yeah, you're literally talking about tattoo ink. There are a lot of inappropriate ones, you know, too. Um, what What do you think about I don't have a tattoo. fountain pens and Spoiler tattoos? Alert. I think it would be cool. I don't think I've ever seen a picture of a fountain pen incorporated into a tattoo. Yeah, I don't think Not that I I'm like either. browsing tattoos all the time. But I think that for, for all the fountain pen people we know, I feel like I would have there's a lot of found people, pen people with tattoos. Right, but I don't know if I've seen. Tattoos. I don't know if I've seen in real life or a picture of a fountain pen incorporated into a tattoo. Mm, Sounds like uh, we should be trendsetters here. All right. Would you ever consider one? I'm considering it right now. Very shallowly, <laughs> you know. 
Um, Have you ever wanted to get a tattoo of any kind? Sure. I'm not like opposed to a tattoo. I think they can be kind of cool. I think they can also, you can regret them. Yeah. I haven't ever felt strongly enough about something or somewhere to get a tattoo to like seriously consider. I've never like gone to a tattoo shop and been like, I am intending to look at tattoos to put on my body. I'm like, Oh, I wonder if I got a tattoo. Just like, oh, I wonder if I ran a marathon. Right. Like that ain't happening anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, I've never seriously considered. If you got, myself. if you got one, opposed. if you got one, would you consider a fountain pen one? Sure. I feel like of the things that have been like important and impactful in my life, yeah. a fountain pen would be largely appropriate for I, me to consider. <laughs> right. You know, if not like a, you know, the Goulet splatter yeah. or something yeah. like that. You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. Of course, those are the ideas that come you to get mind. A splatter but then like, on your face, like Mike Tyson. Oh yeah, just like right get there. A big Goulet blue splatter. <laughs> Sounds like we need to get Mid Journey to like. Oh yeah. AI derive that image for you us. You look so hip. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I've I've like yeah. I think fountain pens are. I mean, I think tattoos are awesome. I've thought a lot about what I would get, but I don't want anything less than a full sleeve. And I know that that you have to start somewhere, but I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to just have one tattoo. And I and it would mm. cost like thousands of dollars to get a full color, full sleeve. And I'm like, if someone gave me like a tattoo gift card mm. for like five grand, I'd be like, heck yeah, all right, load me up. Here's mm. my ideas. But like for me, if you just gave me five thousand dollars cash, I'm like, I'm not buying a tattoo with this. Right, like, right. I've never been in a situation. It's not where, like the number one thing on your bucket right, list. Right. If, if I do. have money, I'm like, I'm not thinking tattoo. I'm right. thinking. PlayStation Five, you know, mm. I have. I, there are so many other things that I would rather spend my money on, but yeah, that's fair. I guess I just need a tattoo gift card. Is what I need. Is that a thing? Can no, you... probably not. I'm sure you can get gift cards for specific tattoo places. I follow several tattoo artists on uh, yeah, Instagram, yeah. and I love their work. Like, yeah. Oh man, some I've of seen them. a lot of like script, like handwriting, you know, like mm-hmm. cursive script stuff in tattoos. Those, some of those are really cool. Yeah. I've seen. I would want like one on full arm of like Disney characters and then one full arm of video game guys. I was going to say, you would have to incorporate some like 1984 stuff. Maybe. Yeah. I was just thinking like, you know, I would like Mega Man mm-hmm. on one arm, really mm-hmm. prominent, and then Robin Hood, Disney's Robin Hood on one arm, okay. really prominent. And then other, other like minor. Like the Fox Robin Hood? Yeah. Fox? Oh, oh. That's my favorite Disney movie. That's a good one. Yeah. And then, and then fill them in with other characters from, you know, various Disney movies and various you know, the only retro thing that bothers games. me, I'm going to go on a tangent. The only thing that really bothers me about the Disney Robin Hood, they so clearly ripped off Jungle Book, ripped off Jungle oh, Book. Oh yeah. Like absolutely. Characters, voices, it is not the best movie. movements. You can like overlay oh, yeah. like the dances oh, and yeah. stuff. And I'm just like, yeah. really? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's definitely by far not the best Disney movie, but it is my personal favorite. I did like that one a lot. As yeah. A kid. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that, um, yeah, I don't know if a fountain pen would be on my radar. There are things that I think are more visually appealing yeah. that, that would be more on theme with what I have. Also, I I know that fountain, that, that tattoos are forever, and I would hmm. specifically go with, like, things from my childhood because here at age 39, I know that if I still think they're cool now, odds are I'm not going to regret them. Yeah, you're halfway Robin done. Hood's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Like, Mega Man... Blue Bomber ain't going nowhere, so I'm pretty much okay with that. Nothing pre-95, I don't think. So okay. I think that's a safe bet. You're, pre, you're, sure. you're, you're uh, you know, kind of recession-proof, I guess. Uh, can't you get... Regret-proof. Can't you get, not like injected into your skin, but can't you get like, you know, not like 
stick on tattoos or like like the kind you have as kids but like can't you get like a more permanent like a six month yeah i think you know you can. kind of version of I a think tattoo you can. i something? actually saw an instagram ad for one you know classic panther you know on someone's i think yeah i wonder i wonder if you can get custom ones of that because like for me if i was thinking about it like seriously thinking about a mm-hmm. tattoo i would be like let me get the like trial version mm-hmm. because i'll take you on a story um so when i was i think 15 maybe i wanted to get an earring and I thought an earring would be cool. Mm-hmm. And so my parents were like, why don't you get a fake one and try wearing it around, see if you like it. And if you like it, then you can talk more seriously about it. And I was like, that seems wise. And I wore it for like a week and I was like, yeah, this is not, this is not me. I feel like I'm faking something. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And so I was really glad I didn't like actually get the whole thing. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It just, it just ended up not being me. I, I feel like a tattoo, especially the first tattoo would be like, too much of a yeah risk to like a commitment to just like well because i gotta get lasered now if i change my mind but like i would totally cons- if i was going to seriously consider a tattoo i would get a, a temporary one first just to make sure that i'm like yeah. into it you know but there you go yeah of course i would have to weigh in rachel's opinion on this too because she would have to look at it i think she'd be totally okay me. with the uh the goulet splatter on your face i think that <laughs> there's nothing Jeez. nothing bad about that oh I don't know the the in-laws would love that one. Yeah, I'm sure they would. But uh, if anybody else has fountain pen-related tattoos, please let us know because I'm sure somebody does. There's got to be. There's out. so many There's tattoos out there. there. There's tattoos of like people get tattoos of like weird Al Yankovic, yeah, and like other just much more obscure things. I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah. Would love to see any pics or links or anything that y'all find. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Cool. Go. All right. So that's good. Um, yeah. You can definitely leave us comments on YouTube. Um, shoot us an email at pencast at gulepens.com if you have any other questions or feedback or anything like that. All right. Coming up next, we have a spotlight on the private reserve hand ink remover. Zero luxury. Zero. I, I, the words hand and remover are too close to each other. Sometimes you don't need hands. Yeah. Just take them I, guess, I guess it, it is made for your hands. So that is descriptive. I don't know. It's an ink remover. This is a lot of a lot, yeah. of a lot of words happening. But either way, it's one thing, and we're going to show it to you. All right, here we go. This is the Private Reserve Ink Zero. What does that say? A hand? No. What does that say? I can't read it. Luxury professional hand ink remover. The hand. Private Reserve Ink hand. The Private Reserve Ink Zero Luxury Professional Hand Ink Remover. And you can't remember that? Just rolls off the tongue. Rolls off the tongue. So this one's been opened. We've been using this over at our pen cleaning station. Um, so I this like has, the color of the bottle. I will say that. I know it's a nice color. Um, so this has been used, um, you know, to you know varying degrees of success. But I uh, am going to use it now because we got a request that we demo this in a product spotlight. Yeah. I have some Compeki on my fingers. You do. This is kind of a normal amount of ink that I often find myself having really encountered yeah like it's not it's not like i don't get that much ink on my hands unless i'm like well i guess doing i'm something wrong i i i guess i say normal meaning it's not a really concentrated amount it's oh. it's kind of faded not a big old glob okay um more like i get a lot of ink on my hands using inky paper towels oh uh, yeah that okay. that is so okay. this is kind of indicative of that i don't often get ink directly on my fingers i usually am just using Really inky like, paper towels. I feel like I get more ink on my fingers when I'm cleaning my pens. Yeah. Than I do when I'm inking them. Oh yeah, no, same. Right. Okay, so here we go. Here's the stuff. Um, it's pretty pleasant. Um, it, there's a light bit of pumice in here, so mm-hmm. it does have you know 
some 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 scrubbiness happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've been told that using water is essential. Yeah, it's very very explicitly said that you need to get your hands wet yeah. first. Which this is a little bit of a weird setup that we have going yeah. on here because we're not at I'm a just, sink. I'm just dipping. <laughs> so this is not okay. this so, is not typically what you're going to do. So my, hand, my, hand, my hands are wet. I'm going to get some more. Okay. Um, but already I can see that it's this good. this part is fading away. This part here, not so much. And what we were told is that you know they took a, they took a year to develop this stuff. They tested different formulas. Apparently, it's being made by like either like a cosmetic company or like somebody that like does this type of stuff more it's not like they you know the same people that are making ink are just like oh yeah we'll try making some random thing no apparently this was like developed by somebody who deals with skin things hmm okay how's it how's it working for not you, great <laughs> not great like I'm I'm kind of going to town. This is so funny because Drew. I'm having I have a lot of bad not, luck with this. Has not had the best of luck no. with this. The rest of our team, like our whole customer care team, yeah. is like this stuff is great. It works on everything. No, well, I also have pretty wrinkly hands. Um, like for my age, I've always had like more wrinklier than average hands. Yeah, this isn't really doing a whole lot for me. Like, it's all still there. Hmm. I mean, it looks like it's lighter, but yeah, it's a bit lighter, but not. Not 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 winning here. Yeah, and unfortunately, I didn't ink my fingers beforehand, yeah. so I don't, I don't have a good uh, control to yeah. get you here. Yeah, I mean, nah, it's fine. But yeah, like Brian said, I'm probably not the best uh, best person to demonstrate this. Unfortunately, I think as Drew is making a huge mess here. I think what we can say about I this wouldn't say is this is a huge mess, Brian. There's there's yeah. some dribbles. There's some dribbles. It's not a, a huge mess. mess. It could be worse. It could be worse. Um. Yeah, let's see what it looks like when you dry it off. I mean, it's definitely still there. It's not like yeah, way. not great. And and but the thing was, this wasn't that obvious to begin with. There wasn't a t- like there, like I said, there wasn't a lot of concentration yeah. uh, of ink. So yeah, for me, whatever is going on with my skin, not not okay, not great for me. But well, I'll say Drew's Drew's kind of like a more worst case scenario here of what you might be able to expect. Yeah. Other people have had a lot more success with it. So give it a shot ah. for yourself or share your experiences yeah. with it. Well, Let we also know. have um we not we also have like samples of this now, like okay, smaller yeah. bits of it. Yeah, you can try it out. So, yeah, worth a worth a shot. Yeah. Well, there you go. We were asked to test it and test it we did, not the most scientific of settings, but No. You can see what you think. I'll say it does smell pretty good. Yeah, though. it actually smells quite pleasant. Yeah, it's not like a real strong like citrusy like the other the other stuff that we've used is that like cherry bomb the zep like cherry bomb or yeah, whatever it yeah. is that stuff has got that stuff feels more like a the industrial hand cleaner like mechanics would use and stuff yeah. like that and that stuff is not perfect either i've never come across anything that's like amazing for no honestly that stuff's really great for cleaning countertops though yeah <laughs> like that cherry bomb stuff yeah that'll clear like the our ink cleaning station over there it yeah, cleans off those counters nice even well, the inside good. of the sinks the aluminum sinks yeah it's a great sink cleaner yeah well, there you go all right well if that was helpful to you hopefully otherwise if not i don't know what to tell you yeah. nice blend of what you get on the pen cast yeah most you know. helpful and non-helpful things yep um so i think that now is a good time for the surprise brian Oh yeah, you have a surprise. Yes, and um, I'm gonna need this hand sanitizer. I don't know what before the surprise. What? 
I just want to make sure my we hands... Got, we got something in the mail. We did get something in the mail. I don't know who sent it. At first, I thought it was Brian sending it to me. But uh, nope. I believe it was a Pencast listener, Brian. Okay. That's right. Was there no name? Like There was no name. It, it was just some random Amazon package. Great. Now we're going to start getting random packages from people. Which, depending on how cool this is, we may discourage you or encourage you to do the same. I don't think we'll need any more than this. Okay. You're right. hyping this up pretty good. So, I don't know what to expect. Somebody decided that we needed some astronaut ice cream. <laughs> wow. How awesome is that? Wow. We've got mint chocolate chip. Oh, I We've like got that. Strawberry. strawberry. We've got vanilla. Wow. We've got... Chocolate and finally banana. This is on point. So somebody in in just one week, because we were just talking about this last week. Yeah. Somebody, somebody watched this was, from Friday. It was like Brian and Drew needs some astronaut ice cream. When did this come in? We just published this four days ago. Today, as recording this. It's arrived this morning. Somebody was on the ball. Yes. Well, I don't know who you are, anonymous gifter, but this is pretty. I'm going to eat this one pretty of these delightful. right now. Which, yeah, me too. What the one, heck? Let's which do one it. do you want? I want the mint chocolate chip. That's All my right. jam. You go for it. I've got chocolate in my hand, so I'm going to go with that. Chocolate but uh, also yeah, I good. did bring hand sanitizer just in case. Oh, um, I probably sanitizer. Because I knew that my hands were going to get full. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is uh, this is quite pleasing. Oh my god, they're little cute little nuggets. They're little. It's not look like one this. little no, bar. No, they're little hearts. Oh, oh my, my god, gosh. they look like oh, dog so we treats. Can, we can share them. These look they so look much like, like dog, dog treats. treats. Yeah. Oh, that's delicious. Yeah, is it good? It, Does it live up to your memory? Oh, see, I I should have opened the package before. That's amazing. Sanitizing. Now I can't grip it. That's amazing. It tastes. It tastes like a. At first, it tastes like a Lucky Charms. They look like marshmallow. They look like Lucky Charms marshmallows. They're like little hearts. I know. That will, I remember them just being a big old square that you kind of like crack, you know, crack apart. These are high quality though. This isn't just the, uh, these are a little softer than what I remember. I don't have any explicit memory of what they were like or what form it took. These are great though. I just remember being a kid, thinking it was cool and liking it. Oh yeah. Moon, Moonix. It's like very melty. It just like immediately oh, kind yeah. of dissolves these in your delicious. mouth. These are delicious. This is amazing. This is really good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not going to lie. Um, Can I get a chocolate one? I want to do. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I want to do a mint um, chocolate chip and a chocolate together. Ingredients: half and half, heavy cream, sugar, cocoa powder. Hmm. That's it. So it's just like dehydrated. Yeah, ice cream basically. One hundred percent. All right, chocolate and mint chocolate chip together. There you go. Make it happen. Let's see. Freeze dry incorporated. What um, is freeze drying anyway? I don't oh, actually, it's it's it's, it's an American I company I in Vermont. Hmm. The first company. Uh, the, is the first company in beautiful Vermont, which manufactures, packages, and distributes freeze-dried products. How about mm. that? Moonix. That's what it's called. Freeze-dried ice cream. That's amazing. Well, that is delightful. Right? That's what I said. I said, had, did you, I said, prepare to be delighted. I am delighted. I said, it will delight you. Because I, I had to ask him if he bought anything. I was like, hey, did you buy anything on Amazon? He's like, no, I'm trying not to buy anything on Amazon. <laughs> I generally don't. But, but I was like, okay, well, prepare to be delighted because I got something today. And I need to bring some of this home for my kids yeah, yeah, so that yeah, yeah. they can try it. Yeah, I'll bring I'll bring strawberry for Archer. You can bring the okay. other two. Here, you get right. banana and vanilla. Oh, banana will go over well. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm into this. I'm going to eat right. all the mint chocolate chip. <laughs> and then you uh, got the two for the kids. And two for the kids. Yeah. There you go. Well, that is delightful. Yes. I am delighted. I am delighted. Color me delighted. <laughs> 
Marvelous. All right. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, let's uh let's talk about the nonsensical portion. What's happening? There we go. Well, I finished a not so new video game, Batman Arkham Knight, which mm. is uh, you know it's been a couple years since that game came out, so it's not new. I replayed it for the second time. Okay. It was enjoyable, but I told myself. I'm not going to play a modern game. I'm going to go play a retro game because hmm. normally I do my retro gaming on a handheld device. Okay. But then I only play it when I am bored or like I'm like upstairs. In between, about the, other yes, things. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, but there are a couple games that I've restarted so many times that I want to finish them, and hmm. two of them in particular were have been eating at me for years: Super Metroid and Zelda: Link to the Past. Both okay. for Super Nintendo. Hmm. So I said, I'm going to do one of these. So I started up Super Metroid for like the 18 billionth time. But this time, focusing on it in my den instead of, you know, mm. a PS4 title or whatever. Sure. So that's what I've been doing. And um, it's been an adventure. I've only had to look up a few things because it's one of those like map exploration games where, you know, there's just this maze of rooms and you can see like the the blue parts of the places you haven't been. Mm-hmm. When you get there, they turn pink. You're like, why is this square? How do I get to that square? That blue that blue hallway? I don't, I don't even know how to get there. Like, You're like, where's my Nintendo power that has the map? Seriously, of the whole thing? I, need, yeah. I need one. <laughs> so it has some retro gaming challenges, but honestly, yeah. it's got a save feature. It's got a map. Oh, so already nice. I feel spoiled. So yeah. I'm not going to complain, but it's been fun. <laughs> the music's great. It's kind of like... They're trying to go with like an alien vibe, um, hmm. like a H.R. Geiger style, you know, you're in a derelict spaceship with some aliens and stuff like that. Okay. So um, fun, fun thing. Neat. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, got Archer a new bike Ooh. because... Um, hey, you were talking about this. He, we were going to like splurge and get him something that, you know, in the kind of, and I say splurge, like, I don't know how bikes, how much bikes cost. We were going to do something around like, you know, 150 maybe, but then he, he, we would have, he would have been paying like more than $50 with his own money. And I'm like, Mm. "Ah." but then he uh, got honor roll. So I was like, Mm. we want to do something for him there. Yeah. So we just ended up buying him a cheaper bike. It was only a $78 bike. Mm -hmm. We just went to Walmart and got him a Huffy, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's a a Huffy, whatever. Like it's a temporary bike. He can deal with a Huffy, whatever. And it's a youth bike. So it's kind of like in between kids and adults. So he loves it. He's been having a blast. You know, I took him right after work yesterday to up to the school so he could ride around in circles. So he's been having a great time with that. And he's been just over the moon there. Um, and a uh, project that I've taken on, uh, you remember in high school, I had a jacket that I kept adding patches to. I do remember that. Yeah. Do you still have it? I still have it, but it's a baggy jacket because I bought it in like 99. So it was kind of like... That was the style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to get, I wanted to, I thought about taking the patches off of it and putting it on a better fitting jacket. But then I was like, you know what? Let nah. me just start a new one. Yeah. So I found a new Levi's jean jacket on Poshmark.com, which is like a kind of like an eBay for clothes, but you don't oh. bid, you just buy. So okay. it's only 23 bucks. Um, it's a it's a stone-washed or acid-washed thing. Ooh. So it's like very loud. Yeah. Like, I kind of don't like it that much. <laughs> I put it on, I'm like, this is way too loud. And I know that I'm. it's ironic I'm wearing too it. Too loud for shirt, you. I know. Wow. I, it's, yeah, I guess there is such a thing. But. Now you know, now you know what other people are experiencing. Yeah, I'm so sorry, everybody. you most of the time. But it is just a little like. <laughs> I don't know, a little gaudy, but mm. I'm going to cover it in patches. So it was only 23 bucks, so whatever. Yeah. So that's going to be my new canvas. I okay. just need to start uh, collecting some more patches. So I'm going to do, you know, um, I'm going to like 
segment, like my tattoo idea, I'm going to have one arm be, uh, you know, 80s bands, maybe one arm be like retro gaming stuff, yeah. maybe the back be movie references. I don't know. I'm going to just cover it in random crap, but nice. Yeah, but I got the jacket. Sounds fun. It's a fine canvas, even though it's a little obnoxious looking. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I also was, was thinking about finding a way to do all of the sewing myself because you can iron it on, but mm. I'd rather sew it. And when I was in high school, I got my grandmother to do all of them. Oh. But I'd kind of like to learn how to do that. And I huh. thought about that and I said, you know, my grandmother all through my childhood was a seamstress. She would make wedding dresses oh. and stuff. And uh, my grandfather died and I didn't have a great relationship with him. And I certain didn't, certainly didn't learn anything from him. Mm. Uh, but I was thinking my grandmother knows how to sew. Like she's made me shirts before. I would love to just kind of learn some basics from her. Hmm. Like how to, um, you know, uh, hem skirts. Like my wife's 5'2". So like if I could just bring some of her skirts up a little bit because she always complains about how everything's too long for her. Like that would be a really handy skill to have. I would think so. And I've got these, you know, button ups that they do that thing where they wave so that they're supposed to be tucked in. Right. They're not just flat across. Like I would love to just like cut my shirts and then hem them up so that they were flat. Yeah. Like that's not complicated. I could do I that. So, yeah. So like, why wouldn't I want to learn to do that? So I don't know. So it's, it's in my head now. I'm like, you have a sewing machine? Like I don't, but she does. And if she could just like kind of show me the basics, like how to start and end. It's not like stitches. sewing every day. You could just right. I could take over, take or, things yeah. over there in a batch. Yeah, and I would think so. So I kind of, well, I'm curious about. I think I might just go over there and be like, Mimi, tell me how to sew. I'm so, kind of in the same boat with my mother. My mother, she wasn't a seamstress or anything, but she like sewed quite a bit yeah. of stuff when I was growing up and all that. And it was like the kind of thing. It's like, I mean, how many random hobbies does one person need? Yeah, I know. But I was like, you know, I have situations where it's like. You know, I'm working outside in my work pants and I yeah. continually split the crotch on those pants. It'd be all handy the time. to know. It'd be nice to know how to yeah. sew myself. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, well, um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll keep, keep me up to date. If you, yeah. if you end up doing that, you might inspire me to. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. Interesting. Um, hmm. And then uh, took the dogs to the groomer to get a bath. That was depressingly expensive. That sounds fun. Yeah. But uh, Hank, our, you know, three-year-old <clears throat> tattoo dog. money right there, Drew. I know. Um, <laughs> Hank, our three-year-old dog, we always thought he was a bigger dog. Um, but, uh, we took him to get, uh, ferminated, you know, which is this type of brush. It's kind of like a bladish brush Okay. that when you, and we, ha we have one, we're just kind of bad at using it. But when the groomers do it, mm. they take off so much freaking hair. Mm. He got back from the groomers and we're like, oh my God, he's not fat. He's, he's just, just fuzzy. He's just hairy. <laughs> like, and it was, you know, he was getting rid of that winter coat. Like I was having uh. to vacuum three or four times a week oh. because of these dogs, primarily Hank. And then he so came back. I'm like, man, you are lean. You're getting into the source there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been great. It was like, you know, $15, $20 extra for them to do that. I'm sure it was overpriced, but it was it was. Yeah, but if you're it. vacuuming several times a week. I know. I haven't had to vacuum since he came back. Well, there you go. It's been marvelous. Now you know what to do. So, Every yeah. Every spring. We're going to be doing that. Ferminate them. Yep, that helped a lot. And then uh, we're looking, uh, we're in the middle of tech week right now for Shannon's uh, Little Shop of Horrors show. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not seeing her at all because it's just dress rehearsals every night. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she comes home late, but, uh, remember I told you that the, the little shop of horrors plant was kind mm -hmm. of coming along slow. Audrey too, right? They, yeah, they had to, uh, find one elsewhere. Oh no. Yeah. The guy that was supposed to be making it just said he needed another week. We're like, we open next week. Oh my like, gosh, dude. So. <laughs> That whole thing, like all this time, he was supposed to be building it for them. Yeah, so they have no plant. They have no plant. So they're having to get one from another theater company. Oh, and man. 
Yeah, it's been a whole thing. But Shannon's been cool. She's like, I'm doing my thing. I feel like I'm okay. Yeah. I know my lines. Nothing else matters. I'm like, that's really cool. Because if it were me, I would be freaking out about everything. Like, it's kind of like a pivotal part of the whole Little Shop of Horrors thing. Yeah, I guess. The plant. Yeah, yeah. It's important. It's like the main yeah. feature yeah. of the so, whole thing. Yeah. But wow. uh, anyway, that's happening this weekend. Mm. But I won't be there for opening night. Um, I'll have to see her the week following because I will be in Chicago for the Chicago Pen Show. Yeah, you will. That is this weekend. That's exciting. Yeah, I haven't been to... Wow, I can't I've, believe that's come up already. I know. It's crazy. So not only is it my first time in Chicago, but it's my first time at any pen event in the you know central U.S. So I'll be able to see a lot of folks that I don't normally get to see. So if you happen to be at the Chicago Pen Show, find me. I'll be there all day Saturday and yeah. just looking to chat with folks. So, it might be hard to spot or hard to hear. I usually am pretty I subtle can... and quiet. <laughs> yep. Yes. So that'll be my weekend. Exciting. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I've never been to the Chicago show. I've been to the Chicago O'Hare Airport many times. I don't think I've ever been outside of the airport in Chicago, though, yeah, personally. That's a lot of states with me. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, so for me, well, first off, I got this cool new Top Gun shirt. I see that. I to show off. Did you see the new Top Gun movie? I haven't. No. It's pretty cool. I don't see things. <laughs> I know. You just watch Severance <laughs> again and again and again. Repeatedly. <laughs> I haven't watched it again since. Since your 11th time? No, I haven't. Um, <laughs> no. It just keeps happening. Uh -huh. um, my brother-in-law has seen two episodes. So every time he visits, we'll watch a couple more. <laughs> so that'll be my next run. Uh, anyway. Um, I did. So my daughter is uh, in a running group at her elementary school. That's right. Which is not, so I've learned, um, because I'm not centrally organizing any of this. I'm sort of an accessory to the fact. Um, I'm her running buddy, technically. Um, so there is a 5K this coming weekend, um, and she will be participating in that, as will I. So her and I will be running a 5K together. But apparently it's like 30 elementary schools in the area. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like a whole thing. Oh, wow. So I didn't quite know that. I thought it was like, oh, cool. This is like a thing at her school and we'll yeah, run on a 5K or whatever. Run on the track or yeah. whatever. No, it's like at a park and it's going to be, I guess, hundreds of people. Oh, wow. Maybe. I don't know. And it's like, okay, all these girls. She's got like, I don't know, 20, 30, 20 to 30 girls from her school that are doing it. Oh, wow. Plus all the running buddies, which is mostly like parents and stuff. And then like times 30 schools or whatever. I'm like, this is going to be a big group of people. Man. So I've never, I've never done any organized run of any kind. I've done cycling yeah, events. I have not. I've never run in an organized fashion. I've never done any physical activity that was organized. <laughs> I did track in high school. Wow. Which was different. That was obviously competing and kind of different than this. This is obviously a fun event, but... We did do a practice 5K last week um, with my daughter, and uh, it was a lot of fun, I will say. She is not a long-distance runner per se. I she's she's dropping your nuggets. Um, so she's, you know, she's a more of a sprinter, kind of like me. I'm not a distance runner myself either. So I was kind of like, I hope I can keep up. And I did fine. But she, you know, many of these, you just go around many your of these girls, this was at the school. Okay. So they like, oh, they organized the they like practice. Out. They organized the practice oh, at the school okay. to like, you know, get a sense. So not all the running buddies were there, but I could make it work in my schedule. So I went, um, so I did that with her and it was honestly, it was just great. It was a very positive environment. Lots of like teachers and other like people there, like cheering all the girls on and stuff like that. It was really, really cool. So I'm glad I got to be a part of that and 
I'm hoping that it's something that my daughter will remember. When is the actual event? Um, this this weekend. Oh. On Sunday morning. Oh, man. I will be running a 5K, which wow. is like, it was like three miles. You know, it's like doable, even if you don't run a lot, which I do run from time to time, but not three miles that often. When you did the practice, was she setting the pace? Like... She would like sprint and walk and sprint and walk. Okay, and so as long as she does that, you should be fine. Yeah, but I was like, okay. I've run a lot more in my life. So I was like, we should like pace ourselves and just sort of jog the whole way. But she was like all or nothing. And so it was a little bit like she was sprinting. And then I was like, you're going to get really tired. And mm-hmm. then she would get tired and you'd <laughs> walk. And I was like, this is more work. <laughs> I was like, this is like a high intensity, like interval training right. kind of exercise, what you're doing. I'm just sort of jogging slowly. So. It's fine. It what matters way more is like we're having a good time together. We're laughing and talking and just having a blast. So it's cool to be able to bond with her in that way. Um, and then also this weekend was my 39th birthday. That's right. So now I have achieved all of the wisdom and experience that Drew has had for the last month um, since he turned 39 as well. Um, it was great. Yeah. Uh, as I was doing the run with Ellie, she was like, "You're turning 40 this weekend, right?" And I was like, "No, no, not yet." But thanks for thinking I'm older than I am um, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. She's like, yeah, you're basically 40. And I was like, you'll understand when you get older that that's not the same thing. Um, anyway, so birthdays are not like, I'm not I'm not like, oh, ooh, let me do everything for my birthday. I'm much more chill when it comes to birthdays. Um, so did like church and brunch, had my parents over. And then it was kind of just a low-key day. It had been raining a lot recently. And so it like rained in the morning a little bit, but then it was kind of okay in the afternoon. So I was like, ah, oh, I can do some things. So, um, I don't know. I just got kind of motivated to do some like random stuff around the house. What's that like? Uh, I know it's weird. (laughs) I never do, never do random things, but this is going to be kind of an obscure reference, but it so perfectly exemplifies how I, the mood I get in sometimes. Um, so there's an episode of 30 rock where Kenneth thought that the world was going to end. And so he was like, sort of crossing things off of his bucket list or whatever before like the apocalypse because mm-hmm. he belongs to this like wackadoo church. Yeah. So he thought the world was going to end. Gary. Yeah. So he was excited. He was like, you can do anything you want. And like Frank and all them were like, Kenneth, you can do anything you want. He's like, I'm going to do all my dream chores. And so he just like went around 30 Rock doing all of the chores that he would like to do in his free time kind of thing. It's like that, that really fits the vibe of what I do like in my spare time sometimes. So I was like, Oh, I can do whatever chores that I want to do around the house. Oh so like, I bought some shorts recently cause it's that time of year. And I was like, I have old shorts cause I've gained and lost weight so much over the years. So I was like, I really need to like get my closet straight because yeah. I have like different sizes of oh. things and some fit, some don't. That is and I'm so like, hard to get motivated to do. But yeah. And so oh. I've been just like for a long time been looking at it just, and I'm like, I can't even remember which piles are what size anymore. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to sort these things through. I'm going to bin up the thing. Like I'm not fitting in a size medium shirt anytime soon. I don't care how quickly I lose weight because I am making another concerted effort to that. But like, I'm not going to fit in a medium shirt until I lose probably 50 pounds. And like, that's, if that even happens again, that's, that's not going to be for a while. Yeah. So I was like, I don't need to be looking at these shirts in my closet every day. So I just like bend things up, put labels on the bins and just like organize the stuff. And so I was just like doing some of that. It was weird because it was like, it's my birthday and I'm reorganizing my closet for my like skinny clothes that I don't fit in anymore. Maybe that's not the most exciting thing, but it just felt cathartic to do that. Yeah. Um, And then I, the weather was kind of nice. It was cool. The sun wasn't out. It had rained a bunch. So the ground was nice and soft. So I went out and pulled a whole bunch of weeds because 
I stare at weeds every day and I'm like, I want to get rid of these things. So I pulled a bunch of weeds. Do you so keep a list one... of all these things? Sometimes. Because I, I get out of my car every day and I see the same like tree bush that, yeah. that I, and I, every day I'm like, oh my God, I need you to trim that thing. This. But as soon as I walk inside, it's gone. I have certain things like that that I like forget. And then I go back into the car. I'm like, oh God, there it is again. <laughs> I have things like that too. So yeah, it's like- Mocking me. If, it, if it's something like that that comes up enough and then I like, it pops into my head throughout the day and I think about it, I'm like, you know, it'd be kind of nice to like cross that off my mental list. So yeah, if it's something not important, like I didn't write down the closet thing. That was more of just like a buildup over time. Yeah. But the pulling weeds, I'm like every single day I look at it and I'm like, oh, these weeds are these weeds are getting worse every day, especially with tons of rain. You gonna use the blowtorch anytime soon? I did use the blowtorch. <gasps> <laughs> you made me choke on my ice cream. I got so excited. I did use it, but I can only use it in certain places. <laughs> like I can only use a blowtorch if it's like in like a paved area or where there's like stone or something like that. I can't just use a blowtorch like in right. my in my mulch, right? Like, cause I'll light everything <laughs> on fire, right? So, um, I did do the blowtorch thing. It's not as fast as you would think that it is, mm. and the stuff grows back fairly quickly. Really? So it's not, Dang. it's not as effective as what I would have hoped. Mm. And I kind of knew that before when I did it a bunch last year, and I so I tried it again this year because I was trying to pull it by hand, especially out of like, I have like a gravelly like walking path to my sheds, and I was like pulling stuff by hand, and I have like you know, weed fabric in there that clearly is not working because oh, stuff's growing up through it. Man. Or it's like, you know, dirt and crap is like settled in on the rocks on top of the weed right, fabric. Right, then that can grow. And then stuff grows. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is pointless. Mm. So I was like, I'm trying not to spray chemicals everywhere. But then I was like, well, I'm pulling them, but it's taking forever. And then I'm burning them and that still takes a while. And then they grow right back. And I'm like, I just need to pour poison on it. So yeah. We'll see. I've tried all these home remedies and none of them work great. Weeds in Virginia are pretty relentless. There's tons of pollen. We had really a mild winter this year, so the yeah, weeds are it was very mild. A battle. Do you know what you haven't tried that is 100% effective? What's that? Goats. I haven't tried goats. That would be terrifying. My kids don't even like <laughs> small dogs. You think they would like a goat? No. They'd be like yelling outside all the time, and they like goats get. They're like feisty. They'll like buck you and stuff. Yeah. I was, I was, I've met some really nice goats though. I was chased down by a goat when I was 10 on oh, my no. bike in like a you dramatic. You have so many bad animal memories. My, I really don't have great luck with <laughs> no, animals. No, you don't. I'm not mean to them. They just don't like me. <laughs> my friend and I were going to a, a BMX track that was like bike rideable from my house growing up. And there was a house near there that had a goat that's normally tied up. One time we went and it was not tied up and you could tell that goat was just like, Mad goat. Well, I'm ready for you guys today. <laughs> so literally like we're on our bikes going down this like dirt road and it was, it felt very dramatic. It probably wasn't that serious, but we were 10. So right. It felt like if this goat caught us, we were going to die. <laughs> so we were like pedaling, like our life depended on it. It's a goat. And a goat was chasing us down <laughs> on our bikes and he did something crazy and wrecked his bike. Oh no. And he literally yelled out, save yourself <laughs> and i left him i just kept going i mean i went back and the goat had kind of lost interest at that point so i didn't it wasn't you know. even following you anymore i mean it was sort of like trotting along or something like that we had like gotten far enough away from his domain that he just didn't really care anymore but save yourself it was really funny now that i think about it i was like oh man as a 10 year old that must have been hilarious harrowing like a fly on the wall in that situation it would just be cracking up but it oh. felt very dramatic at the time the goat Anyway, so Ooh, did, did I know that's this my part? only good experience. Did I know this in person? Life. 
Uh, maybe. No. It was like a bus friend oh, that I okay. had, you know, one of those. Um, anyway, oh you know God. how you have bus friends? You're like, yeah. if I had a choice about this, I wouldn't be your friend. Right. Yes. You're the best of what I have available to me. Yes. So we'll be bus friends. I'm just kidding. Yep. He, was a, he was a nice guy, but, you know, anyway. Um, what else did I do? Oh, okay. This is the most dream chore-ish kind of thing. Oh, God. Um, so... I talked a while ago about how I made a new mailbox, oh, a mailbox post. Yeah, that. <laughs> so um, I painted it this like dark green color, which is really cool. The color is called Dark Knight. It's like this deep teal and it looks really cool. The only problem is it's a wonderfully contrasting canvas to bird poop, mm. which is nice and bright and white. Yep. And for whatever reason, the birds love to just perch right on the top of the post and then just crap all over it and the poop drips down i'm talking oh god like feet feet it's like they poop it's like they knew on the side yeah it's like they're just like here's this beautiful mailbox yeah, thing they knew let's just see what we can do with this so i've been staring at this bird poop just progressively getting more and more pervasive on this, yep. this mailbox post and uh i was like you know what I'm gonna clean that off today because it had like sort of rained. So I was like, it's kind of wet already anyway. I was like, I'm just gonna go and like wipe this thing down at the gloves and the whole thing. And I brought water out there and everything. So I did that. Man, bird poop is like, it's tough. Yeah. Like some of it like deeply encrusted in there. I was like, I'm gonna have to like scrape this off oh, and yeah. repaint, like, like you to had get rid this of this. on your windshield before that you're like, oh, let me just use the wipers and the juice. And oh, yeah. It doesn't go it'll anywhere. Like, it'll eat your clear coat on your car. Like it's, it's like ad adhesive. Terrible. So um, <clears throat> I did that and I was like, yeah, yeah, I feel better about that. The next day. Oh, no. I had mentioned something to Rachel. Like, yeah, I cleaned the bird poop off the thing. She was like, you did? And I was like, well, I wasn't able to get everything. She's like, I don't know. And so we like went for a walk or whatever. They crapped all over oh. it. All over it again. <laughs> no. You could not even tell that I cleaned it. And I was like, really? Oh. Can't even enjoy it for like 24 hours. God. So I had a futile effort of cleaning bird poop off my mailbox. So God, that is I don't upsetting. know what I'm do. I'm either just going to live with it or I'll just like paint the mailbox post white because otherwise you're just always going to see it. And it's like, well, that's so funny. I don't have, didn't any, see that I coming. Have, like, I guess all the birds in my neighborhood are small. These um, are small birds. And I've seen them. I have a black mailbox. I, and I don't, bird, I don't yeah. get any bird poop on my mailbox. The mailbox itself. It's not the mailbox itself. It's the, the mailbox post. Oh. It's like the, you know, there's like the post itself and it's got kind of like a yeah. pointy top. Yeah. They sit right on the point. Oh. And they face different directions and just like yeah. poop on all sides <laughs> of it. Get a nice even dispersion of white lines all around it. I took yeah. a picture of it actually. Mine um, is white, I think. Mine, no, mine's just like raw wood. It's just nothing special there about you go. mine. That's mine. That's what I'm talking yep, about. Yeah, there it is. Yep. That, that was after I cleaned it the next day. Oh, no. That's what it looked like. All sides. And I was just like, man, I feel like I'm getting trolled here. Jerk birds. Um, so that was fun. And then another thing I did, two other things on my birthday. So my son and I playing Bloons TD6. There we go. We did a co-op game together and that was pretty fun. How do you do co-op when you're on different devices? Like, is you're it like, like you're connected online. Like you were like friends with each other mm. and you can join in and we're like, I mean, we're in the same room, like we're together, but. So like, it doesn't matter. connected through our own device. It's yeah. not like like PlayStation versus Xbox, where if one person has the other one, you can't play with them. It's just... Yeah, we're both, like, connecting into the same environment, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we can, like, place items with each other. So we're, like, in person next to each other talking about where we want to place things, and you can share, like, money back and forth and stuff like that. It was fun. Anyway, so that was a fun little thing. Um, so I did that, and then um, we decided to play a board game as a family, playing Ticket to Ride. 
which is that? like, it's like well, a I played that game. a bunch. Yeah, I played that a bunch with um, Rachel's family. That and like Settlers of Catan are some of our our go tos with like the bigger family games. But um, our kids had only played the Ticket to Ride Junior. They'd never played the full one. So this was like, okay, they're eleven and thirteen now. I'm like, yeah, I think it is we, time. I think we can do this, and we did. And they're it's now we we played it, and then we like ran out of time because it was getting late, and now it's just like a board game is like vomited all over our kitchen table and mm-hmm. it's been there for two days and i'm hoping by the end of this week maybe we'll finish that game but that's how it goes it's fun the kids enjoy it so um then last two things um so you know rachel is i do know her she's an sort of an accidental collection of target the birds, birds. oh yeah i know about the birds so she found some new birds oh my god because there's there's tons of birds around holidays uh-huh. so she's a lot of like Christmas birds and St. Patrick's birds and right. these types of things. But there's not as many holidays in the summer. No. But we found some summer birds. Summer birds. Oh and I had to show you. There's oh, like my a touristy God. summer bird with a camera. Wow. And then a snorkeling summer bird. So That's she saw amazing. those. She saw them and pointed them out in the store and like flipped out. And I was like, we have to there's get There's nothing these. accidental about I was like, this we have to get. We she have, has fully embraced the bird collection. so many of these target birds now. So many birds. That's she really marvelous. doesn't have much other decor there's target birds but there's birds <laughs> she doesn't love birds they're just these particular birds are cute um and then last but not least you know i had the log grave there that i was working on before that was the picture that i shared last week well there it is now so i covered it all up there they go i buried three giant log piles worth of logs how many trees into the worth dirt. is that probably four trees four trees yeah. return to nature return to nature minus the branches the branches i mulched up so back in the back there that's like my mulch pile of what i've mulched up that's what i mulched up last year that's breaking down into topsoil that was the good like dark topsoil that i scraped off <laughs> you have so many piles of pile. dirt i do Oh it's like God. a construction site back there. It now. really does. And I, I told Rachel too, I was like, yeah, I'm really sorry for this. Like <laughs> this is a concept and I think it's going to be good. Like it's going to break down over time. And I'm also like the next tree I take down. It's like, am I going to keep digging holes in my yard? Like mm-hmm. this does not feel sustainable. Mm-hmm. This is like a proof of concept and I've proved the concept. And now I don't know what I'm going to do with future logs. I think I'm just going to pile them into the woods and just let them decay. Cause I just, this is ridiculous, but I've done it. And I, <laughs> I don't know, y'all. This is just, <laughs> I don't have like a firm plan for everything I do in life. This God. is like in my downtime when I'm just outside playing. I'm like, oh, this sounds fun. Let me try this. And I do that. I'm like, yep, I did that now. Oh my God. That's amazing. So that's my log grave. It's now complete. It it's buried. Well, and it has a tombstone of dirt piles. Yeah. Like that, that really <laughs> does look like someplace you can go in like yeah i'd like uh you know three pounds three three tons of <laughs> you know, mulch like yeah sure just load it up i have four different piles back there now and i'm like these are i mean like sometimes you need topsoil it's topsoil you don't even garden though i don't what are you going to use topsoil for oh to like smooth out like rough spots in my yard so when i'm mowing i'm not like oh, you know, okay. bouncing around everywhere all right so i like to smooth it out you know or yeah if i want to garden which i don't um yeah so mainly for for yard work, but you know when you bury four trees worth of logs, you you cover them up and then you you have dirt left over. Yes, you have bonus dirt. Didn't totally. <laughs> I mean, I sort of halfway thought about that, but I didn't really think about the fact that I would end up with like two giant piles yeah. of dirt left over. But I'm also like, I mean, I'll use dirt. It's fine. They would make a great RC ramp. It really would. 
I believe me, I've thought about it. Oh, I, I know like, you Maybe have. I should just take some of these logs and like <laughs> put them on the ground and then I like, cover them with dirt and make like my own little track. But I was like, boy, that that doesn't seem like something Rachel would go for. Are you going like, to, do you have to do anything to clean up your uh, trails now that it's getting warmer? Do you have anything? Oh, now they're just mud. Yeah. They're just all mud. Oh, so, right. you know, we got a ton of rain just now and then it'll dry. Are all of your weekend, uh, so. borders still good? They haven't like sunken down into the ground or anything? All the borders, like you know, the you, log, yeah, the log edges. Oh yeah, yeah they're all like disgusting. Oh, because they're like growing fungus, and decaying and stuff. Man. It's pine, so it like, looks so pretty though. At first. It did look good, and now it looks disgusting. <laughs> like they're, ba- I mean, pine, <laughs> pine is, it decays really quickly. It's not weather resistant at all. It's a, it's filled with like sap and yeah. You need to get like, like railroad that. ties or something. Yeah, and they're just like so they they just. They're like a thriving haven for insects and yellow jackets oh, and no. fungus and all these things. Oh. So I'm just like, yeah, that's my biggest concern with this log grave thing. Is like, yeah. I might be creating this like underground mecca for all kinds of crazy stuff. But I mean, that's part of what breaks down the, yeah. that's what breaks down the wood too. There so you go. It's all, Bright part side. The, it's all part of the natural ecosystem. Glass half full. I like it. Yeah. Anyway, that's my craziness. Wow. So, now I haven't. Oh, and the other thing that I did do on my birthday as well, I went out to my like woodworking area and I didn't do a single project. I just cleaned stuff up and just like cleared off my workbench and just made room and organized stuff. Okay. I don't like the process of organizing, but I like the end state of it yeah. being organized because sure. it's like a, it's constant battle in my life to organize yeah. my own crap. Maybe because I'm into so many different things. But anyway. It is cathartic every now and then to just like, let me organize, clean stuff off, throw things out, donate stuff. And now you can do more stuff. Simplify. Now you can have more projects. Yeah, now I can do things and immediately cover it all again yes. with other things. More proofs of concepts. At some point you're like, I'm 39. I'm I'm not really going to change how this works. This is just naturally yeah. how I function. And 100%. This is, just, this is just what it looks like for me. Absolutely. Embrace but, it. Yep. There we go. That's, that's my life. All right. That's something. Yep. All right, we've got a couple of company updates, then we can wrap this episode up. We do have something new. Do you have the brochure? Did we grab I forgot to bring it. one? I can oh. either bring it or I can use I can take pictures of it. We can take some pictures of it probably. So we have a new brochure that we're gonna be including with your packages. All of them. Yay. At least so, to start. We're kind of figuring things out. Yeah. It's at the point where if you're like ordering a whole bunch of times, you're like, I really don't need to know how to clean out my pen anymore. But anyway, so we have some fun details of this. It's got some like, you know, interesting like facts and stuff about our company, but also um, some instructional things about like how to clean your pen, how to fill it, that kind of stuff. So should be good, especially for people who are newer to fountain pens to just have a little more hands-on tactile yeah, and it'll have a QR code so that if you do happen to gift it to anybody, they can scan the QR code, come right mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of a get started section of our content and videos yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, so we're trying it out. So I think we just started using it this week. So was it this week or last week? I can't I think it was this week. We just started week. using it. Yeah. So by the time this video publishes, you will maybe have received a package that has this thing in there. So we'll have a couple pictures in here and uh, and all that. And then um, another fun little thing that we did last weekend was we had our company party. Yes, we did. First one in three years. That was a delight. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, COVID kind of shut that down. We used to have an annual party. Yeah, um, we've done that for a while. But, but uh, a couple of years we just did not. Got, side, uh, got sidetracked a little bit because of yeah. the COVID. Yeah. But it was fun. We had it in downtown Richmond, right on the river, yeah. which with all this rain and stuff, I mean, we timed it perfectly because there was like terrible rain the day before, terrible rain the day after. But that evening, we that did the party. one evening it was happened beautiful. to be beautiful. Yep. 
but boy, that river was raging. It was. It was like brown. Yeah, there were like whole trees and stuff like floating down this river. It was yeah. ridiculous. The, the our city has a river kind of going right in the middle of it, mm-hmm. James, and it's a it's a pretty pretty busy river, right? Yeah. Especially right at the city is like near it's the. Yeah, right at the city is kind of the fall line where it yeah. really picks up speed. So there's yeah. a lot of big rapids and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty wild. But so. it was a nice night. There was fun, you know, selfie opportunities, yeah. um, you know, good, good food. And it was just nice to kind of get everybody together. Photo booth with the cheesy props. Yeah. And a little 360 video booth, too. That was fun. Dancing, some giveaways and stuff. So it was a fun time to get to see each other and also significant others, too. Because it had yeah. been basically since the last company party, we'd really seen anybody. So... That was pretty wild. It had been a so, while. That's kind of cool. That was pleasant. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's wrap this thing up. Well, we want to thank you all for watching. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Ask us questions so that we can answer stuff on the show. Check out goodlypens.com for your fountain pen ink and paper needs. Like and subscribe to YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and all these places. And I have a fun fact, Drew, huh? that I mentioned last week. Mm. I don't know if I told you on camera. You told I was me like, that... I think it was after we recorded. There was one that you had. There was one that I had that I was yeah. intending to save. You didn't tell me though. I I saved it in a different place because because we populate a new copy of the pencast like outline for each episode. So if I was like, oh, I want to save this, you know, at the time we do a previous recording, I was like, I don't have the. You finished the whole thing. Look at That's that. So good. I mean, it's very it's very light. It's not a not a heavy snack. It's very healthy for you. Mm. Um. Anyway. So I learned this fun fact, and I wanted to share it with you all. Please. It's about the term bug related to computers. Oh, software, Like a software bug. Um, So, according to Wikipedia, the term bug was used in an account by computer pioneer Grace Hopper, who publicized the cause of a malfunction in an early electromechanical computer. Typical version of the story is, in 1946, so this goes back a ways, Mm -hmm. When Hopper was released from active duty in the military, she joined the Harvard faculty at the Computation Laboratory, where she continued her work on the Mark II and Mark III computers. Operators traced an error in the Mark II to a moth trapped in a relay, coining the term bug. This bug was carefully removed and taped to the logbook stemming from the first bug. Today, we call errors or glitches in a program a bug. Huh. So it literally refers to a bug. It was an actual bug. There was any mechanical relay switch in an early computer. So apparently Hopper was not present at the time that the bug was found, but it became one of her favorite stories. The date in the logbook was September 9th, 1947. The operators who found it, including William Bill Burke, later of the Naval Weapons Laboratory in Dahlgren, Virginia, which is like 30 minutes from here. What town? Dahlgren. Dahl. It's in Fred. It's like right outside of Fredericksburg. Dahl. Dahlgren. It's Dahlgren. like a naval base where they test like weapons and stuff. Never heard of it. Yep. Um, we're familiar with the engineering term and amusedly kept the insect with the notation first actual case of a bug being found. So I think the term bug may have actually been used prior to that, but that was like what solidified it. Nice. So apparently the log book complete with the attached moth is in part of the collection at the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. That is awesome. There you go. If you didn't know, the term bug literally refers to a bug. I had a bug situation at Target this weekend. We were at Target getting Archer some more shorts because he wears shorts. Because like this weirdo. happens. Um, like a proper child. Yep. And uh, we were, uh, Shannon was looking at the women's section, so we were just kind of like bored looking around. And mm-hmm. Archer points at one of the big, massive, <clears throat> you know, billboardy things of a mm-hmm. lady in a swimsuit or something. And she had this like white spot on her neck. Hmm. And Archer's like, why does she have a 
bug on her neck. I'm like, that's not a bug. It's like a puncture in the uh, in the thing where lights coming out of. And he's like, no, that's a bug. I'm like, Archer, it's not a bug. It's white. And I look closely. It is an absolute white outline of a large bug with the wings, legs, and everything. Interesting. And so I was, I was like, oh my god, you're you're right. Sorry, that's a <laughs> giant bug shape. So I'm left to just imagine that when this massive banner got printed, like there was a bug somewhere on it <laughs> that the printing rolled over and it was removed before it was blown up. Like huh. it, there was no good reason for there to be a bright white outline of a fly or whatever it was on there. It wasn't like a discoloration of her tan. Cause I know sometimes people, when they get like suntans and stuff, no, it was they'll like put shapes on them. So that no, it's like no, she was, she was, she, like no, she was brown skin. And that bug on her neck was the was same like, color as like just like blank, white blank paper, vinyl. Like yeah. Unnaturally. Yeah. yeah so white. he just, yeah, it was a really odd catch, but, wow. um, very observant. Yeah. Very of him. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do? Well, your mom's shopping for clothes and you just look at, necks for bugs <laughs> you know but yeah i thought that was kind of funny that is funny yeah what weird that? it happens. happens bugs happen bugs happen all right cool well thanks everybody for watching thank you so much well, glad to have you here and very uh, much we'll catch you on the next one thanks for watching right on